I had to lead off with that. It's only appropriate given who we have in the studio today. But anyway, welcome everybody to episode 22 of the Promoterhead Entertainment Podcast, which you can subscribe to by visiting podcast period Promoterhead 666 period com. And don't forget to look us up on Patreon as well. Uh, For just a few bucks a month, you can get access to all of our exclusive bonus content, including live tracks, extended episodes of the podcast, all the juicy fucking gossip that you wish we would talk about in public. (laughs) But yeah, check it out. Uh, Today, we have some very special guests in the studio. Uh, Do we just want to go around and have everyone introduce themselves? I'm, uh, I'm Kelsey. I'm from... East Hampton, Massachusetts, and uh, I play murder ballads and make lots of eye contact while I do it, and I tell jokes. <laughs> <laughs> tell us a joke. Oh, God. Uh, usually this precedes a song, but I have one about a girl who uh, pulls up her abuse's ex's corpse out of a lake, and it's frozen, and then she beats shit out of it with a rock and uh, and stabs it. And I like to tell people that it's a nice song about coping and that therapists love it and use it in their sessions. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and other ones. There's a Czech one too, but we don't need it. I've, that's like the third time today. We can't. <laughs> I honestly, I didn't catch it the first time. Oh. It took me until the second time. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Got a Polish friend who does sound. I got a Czech one too. A Czech hey. one too. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, obviously. going around the circle. I am Mick from Sonic Pulse. That is Mick with an M as in an Irish person you do not like. Ooh. <laughs> um, we also tell jokes, but that didn't really go well because we are jokes. Um, <laughs> uh, anyhow, uh, I sing and play guitar as fast as I can in Sonic Pulse. Fuck yeah. And I'm Alex Schofield. I play bass and try to hold on for dear life while Mick's playing as fast as he can. <laughs> and yeah, play for other bands too. Cronivore and Lucoria specifically, full-time stuff. It's really fun. The I don't know, the more I play, the better I get. So play with mad people. That's me. Fuck yeah. All right. And uh, I guess you all know me. I'm Johnny Mack here with Promoter Head. Uh, also playing bass for Thunderforge and for Bellower. And, and of course, Anthony from uh, The Studio that uh, brings you these podcasts and Graviton and DMP and playing in Epicenter for a couple shows, too. is, is a lot. But yeah. I still have a bong named after your band. What? <laughs> Did you get to see that? The, the gravel bong? Yeah. No, I didn't. I don't think I ever got to see that. Yeah, it, it's an old whey protein container. <laughs> Dude, I, I've never heard of this. Are you fucking kidding me? Look through your Instagram tags. It's in there somewhere. Oh, shit. I'm going to have to break that one out from the dead. Oh, my God. That's incredible. In a way, huh? No way. It's <laughs> <That was> amazing. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, wow, but yeah, I guess we job. should... Uh, I guess you should name drop Sonic Titan now and just get that out of the way. Yeah, uh, Sonic Titan Studios for all your recording, mixing, mastering needs. Whatever you need, we can fucking do it. We got two bros. One of them is in Europe right now, but he will be back real soon. So if you need uh, need anything, really, just hit us up. We've got affordable rates, and we will bargain with you to 
Get your business. They will make you sound chaos, good. emeralds, and golden rings. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Those are very valuable. Do you so, accept payment in rupees as well? Sure. I mean, there's exchange rates and shit, so why not? <laughs> if you have currency, give it to us, <laughs> and that will be fine. Bitcoin or gil, right? Yeah. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> give us a couple of Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking. That would like. <laughs> That becomes an investment now. Like, record <laughs> yeah. your album today and we'll get paid 10 years from now. It's okay. Sweet. It'll be totally worth it. <laughs> Shit, if you gave us one Bitcoin, we'd be open for like two years without having to like do anything. If you 10 years from now, you should just put it on Spotify. And uh... Spotify is weird, though. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I would go for the Spotify. Are they already listed or is their IPO still coming out? I thought know? they did that a while ago. Are they listed? They... I, I assume I, I don't actually pay attention to any of this shit, but maybe they are. I feel We're like such Google a traitor right about now. Spotify. Mm-hmm. Like it's the best ten dollars I spend every month, and I know it screws the bands and the underdogs and whatnot. But <laughs> I love my Spotify account. Yeah, I'm on there every day. <laughs> like it, it's frustrating because there's some stuff that I really want to listen to that's not there, and I have to figure that out. But. Well, like, all three of those bands should get on Spotify then, because everybody yeah. else is. <laughs> Robert yeah. Fripp, put your music on Spotify so I can listen to King Crimson. Fuck. I've Fair been enough. doing the thing where I put it on mute and then flip it over and just play it on a loop. Like, I've been listening to the Humanoids on loop, technically, in my nice. sleep. Because, like, I bought it, but also they're my friends and I love them. So I'm just like, maybe you'll be able to get a beer in five years if I do this. <laughs> so. I think Wolfpack actually did, like, the, yeah, it was Wolfpack yeah. who did the silent album and told people to listen to it while they were sleeping. And they made, like, ten grand <laughs> off of the streams from it before Spotify took it down. I'm okay with that since it came from Wolfpack. Like, <laughs> they can do no wrong. They let their bass player solo. <laughs> That is true. I don't. I don't listen to enough Wolfpack, but they, they're definitely a band that I should listen to more of. They're I know, so d- weird. Be disappointed in your bass self. Like that's your octave. They <laughs> exist for you. <laughs> Damn, Spotify is on the market, and they're trading at one hundred and eighty-six forty per share. Not bad. That's fucking yeah. I mean, that could be great. It could be terrible. I don't fucking know shit about stocks. Yeah, what is that? Oh, stocks. Oh, you know what? I think they just IPO'd a little while ago. So they started at 144-ish. Hmm. So, and they've gone up about 40 bucks in the past. Again, I have months, no so. idea if that's like a good price or not. Uh, it's, if Tom were here, he could help us. But I mean, if that Might. if that growth continues yeah. to to happen over a year, then yeah, it'd be fucking. You'd be real sitting real pretty. I don't oh, know. Yeah. It's a number bigger than four or seven, so it's big enough for me. <laughs> it's <a very> complicated <laughs> trajectory. <laughs> yeah. So if you bought Spotify stocks, have a beer because your stocks are up. <laughs> have, have a beer on me. I'm paying for it. Yeah. Rich pay your fuck. bands more too. I yeah. can't afford to buy Spotify <clears throat> stock because Spotify doesn't pay me. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Although to be fair, a lot of that is because of like major record labels and shit. Like, yeah, not yeah. knowing what the deciding fuck doing. like deciding what everybody should get paid. Yep, and really? just not being able to adapt quick enough too. I mean, the, the, mm-hmm. like copyright laws are still based on uh, nineteen seventy two, uh, or when that those the most recent laws were decided in nineteen seventy two. So there's fucking like forty years worth of yeah extensive growth technologically. 
Et cetera. I hear they might be and reworking inflation. the pay negotiations for Spotify. I think so. Yeah, I've seen some Finally. articles about that. Yeah, but I mean, they they already lost the battle to Apple fucking eighteen mm. years ago, right? And it's just been they're just been trying to claw back to relevance ever since. This fucking sucks. Spotify has no, no, no the music industry. Oh yeah, yeah. Because mm. I mean, well, they just lost like, out again to Spotify. I they think it's kind of cool because the underground has like opened up to fill that gap with things yeah. like Patreon. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, subscribe no, to this one because it means more cool music for everybody. Absolutely, and it's mm-hmm. honest music. Like, it's not filtered through somebody else's interpretation. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. like when you subscribe to the Sonic Titans Patreon, it's like actually you dudes. And, like, if you right. want your album to sound good, throw them five bucks and it comes out sounding yeah. good. Yeah, right? it's like everybody everybody complains that it's hard for musicians to make music. But, like, even even when they were getting paid, like, it was, like, the big name, like, signed artists who were, like, making the real money in that industry. Right. And, like, if you didn't have a record deal, you weren't going to get discovered. Right, and it's cool to be Metallica, but Exodus has never been that big and never will, right? Exactly. They're still like the underground bands. Yeah. But they also benefited from a system of labels. Yeah. You know, they were mm-hmm. part of that era, so they they've able to maintain themselves and do it at a pretty high level because of that infrastructure. Yeah. I mean, I mean there was like tape trading and stuff, but like now there's a system where you can just put your music out there and anybody can find it. Yeah. I, mean- I like I would I would take that over everything that came before it, like mm, even for sure. even with all the financial impl- implications that it had. I mean, I went some. There's concert window where, uh, yeah, yeah, you just live stream yourself like playing music and everything. And like, there was one time I I was like looking for a job, but I like didn't have one, and I was pretty dead set on living in Western Mass. And I was like buying my groceries just like playing songs on the internet. Hmm. So. I, I don't know. I think yeah. it's a lot better. I'm just like, yeah, like, I don't know. I shouldn't be doing this. A lot of people are like, don't do it for the money. But I'm like, yeah, but like, I can. Like, I can. <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah, and that's just, I, I don't I don't agree with that. Me thinking, do, like, oh, you shouldn't be doing it for, it's like, well, okay, when you're first starting out, you, yeah, you, you, should you shouldn't like, do it yeah. exclusively for the money, but right. if you yeah. can get money for doing it, take it. Yeah, and, and the other thing, it's like, if you're becoming serious enough where you're investing in your own career then yeah you should be making money at it yeah Mm -hmm. you know but and and then other people too are just like well you're a musician so you don't deserve any fucking money because you're doing what you love so it's like what how what what do you want well it's kind of a (laughs) catch-22 sort of situation because being an artist in general is an extremely self-serving concept for sure when you make art your say is ultimately one of the most important things and your vision is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, though, as soon as you put it on display for someone else to interpret and find value in, everything you put into it doesn't matter at all. Yeah, It's completely useless. What matters after that point is your audience, how they feel after listening to a piece of music or looking you know, at a painting, so on and so forth. So if you really want to have any career with it, if you want to show anyone your music... Ultimately, as soon as you kind of put it out there, you have to give it up. It's no longer yours. It's no longer about doing what you want to do. And your preferences are really only your tools to creating something other people might like. Mm -hmm. It's really no different than if I was a woodworker. Obviously, I have to form an opinion on what I think is a good-looking chair or a bad-looking chair, a good finish or a bad finish. Mm -hmm. The same way you being a metal drummer, you know, you have that. 
Yeah, there's certain standards that I have to meet. Right, but, you know, you use your preferences and you make music you want to make, but ultimately once it's made, Mm -hmm. it's no longer, you know, like you're not going to pay yourself five bucks for your own CD. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. You know? Totally. And you're not going to get to play it for anyone. You're not going to get to do anything with your music career unless it does ultimately a whole lot for the audience yeah people have to like it mm-hmm. right you know and yeah. it's like you can put your shit out for free all you want and that that's totally cool too but like you know if you're trying to move up and sustain yourself doing it too then it's like it's got to be of a certain quality if your fans are digging like you basically have to get to a point where it's like your fans are liking what you do right <laughs> but the, you know, the advantage of the internet is that no matter what you do you can find people who like it yeah i mean it might is, be a very a it might be a very small audience but yeah you can still find them, whereas that wasn't the case like 20, 30, 40 years ago. Right, right. Right, it's Absolutely. easier to kind of carve out your own niche, but in a way, too, it's it's also created a unique circumstance because before, ultimately, nobody got heard unless there was an extreme quality control met. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that was restrictive creative-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in the sense, too, you know, ultimately, like, it created a system that kind of got counteracted by like the pay to play system in new England. It didn't matter if you had a demo recorded yet. It didn't matter if you even had six songs written. If your dad had 400 bucks, you were playing the palladium with a big band. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And in the same sense, the internet's kind of done the same thing because for $400 or your daddy's expensive computer Mm -hmm. and a couple little things you can plug into, you can start putting music out there for free and anyone can hear it. Yeah. So, Look at it's, all the SoundCloud rappers. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's interesting because it's SoundCloud created. Rappers. At first, you can you kind of see it as this way where it might be really easy for you to get out there, but in the same sense, it's also made it really easy for everyone to yeah, do it. Democratization mm-hmm. has been a good thing and a bad thing. And some of the DAWs just, you can record and come with a free auto tune plugin, so singing isn't really even a requirement. <laughs> and pop yeah. music nowadays, oh my half God. the time you have a singer who could sing, and using auto tune is just what people want to hear because they want to hear how that's distorting the voice. That's a style. Dude, I saw, yeah. T-Pain did a Tiny Desk concert for NPR. Did with, he really? With no auto tune. It was probably fucking awesome, right? Yeah, it, yeah, was, it was great. great. I know, because I saw like a, a song of his that he he actually put out, and it was more of like on the R and B side of things, mm-hmm. and it was just him, no processing, and it sounded fucking fantastic. And you can always tell too, because there is even a sound to auto tune with people that can actually do it. Yeah, right. because it's not correcting it too much. Because mm-hmm. when once right, it, it's just adding that robotic sound right. to yeah, it. Yeah, you, you it's more tell. like using a vocoder. Yeah, right, you can tell when it's a creative choice and when it's a fix-your-fuck-ups choice. Right, yeah, because um, when you start hearing all those ridiculous... Zombies album has an well, awesome may... reference like that. They've never used auto-tune before in their, like, five-album career, and then all of a sudden it's, like, huge right in the middle of this one track, and it's all you can pay attention to, but it's very obviously on purpose. It's mm-hmm. like another tone in their disposal that they can throw at the song. Right, right, right. And we got to take into consideration, too, that, like, we listen for those kind of things. The average person who goes to these concerts has no idea the difference between hitting pitch, not hitting pitch, using autotune creatively, or needing it because you can't sing. Mm -hmm. Also, I I think it has to do with different audiences, too. Because, like, I feel like the metal community is not going to put up with that shit. (laughs) For the most part. For sure. To some extent. Yeah, but like a lot of metal bands still use pitch correction, but they oh try yeah. to hide it at least. Yeah, I mean, totally. I'm not listening to Ariana Grande because I'm listening for like intense, strictly technical musicianship. It's because she can get really high and she just thinks about sex all the time, and <laughs> yeah. it just releases the right dopamine receptor. So totally. I don't know, yeah. but 
I do get that I'm just like, yeah, but like I don't have somebody constantly pushing buttons on me while I just like do what they want. Like I don't yeah, know. That's it's gotta weird. be a lot of pressure. Oh, I, God, I remember yeah. um like listening to or trying to catch backing tracks at another pop show and all of the really high sing songy notes mm-hmm. were pre recorded. So oh. she had to sing like right up until that point and then lip sync and I'm like, this is weird, but it's also like really hard because yeah. then she has to like come back in on time too. And it admittedly, I would have really loved if she just fucking hit those points. Like sure. if she yeah. could yeah. just commit to that live every single night but when your show is worth that much money there can be no room for error like you have to hit that note every single night and if the fans are accepting of it then yeah is it wrong i know the the three sound nerds in the audience were like "Ooh, i saw that but everybody else just kept dancing like yeah ultimately those three sound nerds are gonna go have to submit to the expectation of that level of auto tune when yeah. they go make their own mixes, etc. Mm-hmm. They're going to sit there and maybe mm-hmm. they think the band sounds great, but they know damn well the <laughs> 60% of the audience they're trying to market it to doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. I got mm-hmm. pitch corrected on my EP, which I kind of get with the guy who recorded it because he was like, I'm everything has to match. And I was like, okay, cause he's really good at what he does. So mm-hmm. I said, okay. But then he said, but I don't want to, because I feel like that, that wrecks the point of your voice, but also I have to do it, yes. and I'm like, well, like I don't know. People get my voice when I play live. Well, that I, and you're you're touching on a pitfall of a lot of mixing people in general right now, and mm-hmm. in, in just the sphere, it's like everybody's really locked in on what should be the right thing mixing wise, and you get a lot of homogenous sounds. Yeah, these days, mm-hmm. and t- like there's a couple of mixing engineers that will still sort of mix sort of an old way of like just let a couple flaws go. It's yeah. not a big deal. It's fucking humanity. It makes it raw. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it gives it life is yep. what it gives yeah. it. But you know what I think a lot of people lose on is like I feel like for instance, like if I go on Facebook and I ask a general engineering question, mm-hmm. or maybe I have a problem I'm trying to overcome in a limited uh, limited amount of tools to fix it. Yeah. I will get eighty percent of the people who chime in will tell me to go buy something extremely expensive. Yep. Which is mm. obviously not what I'm tra- not even part of the question. I already explained that I, I can't do that. Yeah. You know? Or they'll tell me to do something that I distinctly mentioned, again, in the question that I don't have available. Yeah. Um, tell me it's a completely lost cause because it should just be done a certain way and that's it. Yeah. And then maybe one guy will be like, oh, yeah, I had a problem similar to this and I tried this to overcome it. You Dude, know, it's so fucking pervasive in the audio circle of just like, why are you doing it that way? You're wrong. That's, <laughs> not, Wait, that's like, not the way they taught us in school. It's funny because like yeah. every instance of that you find, there is a platinum album that was recorded that way. Every time. Yeah. Every fucking time. And like the further back in history you go, the more ghetto rigged everything got occasionally. <laughs> oh, and dude. the more variation of s- recording circumstances. You know, in the '60s, everybody was just fucking figuring it out, right? Yeah, yeah the Glenn Johns technique. What the fuck is that? It's three <laughs> random microphones. I mean, it's it's obvious. There's a lot of thought behind it, but it's like if you look at that on a drum set, it's like, what the fuck are you doing with these <laughs> three mics in these random places? But it sounds great. But it's because he was experimenting, yeah, and it worked for what he was going for. And that's the thing that I think a lot of engineers these days don't really take into consideration it's like do whatever works for the sound you're going for right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and also don't be afraid to just kind of let it go too just service the song you're not trying to just no exactly there always seems to be this like well we can't record that that way because when we go to do guitars it won't work it's like all right fuck that maybe we'll have to sacrifice something in the guitars or make them sound different to work with those drums that would make it special though 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, it's killing me the pervasiveness of reamping. Like, it's all reamp all the time. Yep. And Brian's not here to defend himself, so I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's all reamp all the time. I mean, but, I'm, I'm, I'm like totally on board with the reamping because you I think can, it, be, it can be cool, especially if. Well, but like, here's the thing sound. like, if you want to like. Sound. Like fuck around with different like mic placements. No, and I or, get that. like different like anything like you like it. I feel like it gives you more freedom to experiment because you just have to record the take and then you could do whatever the fuck you want with it. Yeah, but how much time did you spend doing that? That's the other that. Thing. That is true, but because you get into that circle, which sucks. And here's here's my counter and then argument to that too. Why didn't you sound good so the first time with the drums, right? for instance, when you record a live drum take, right? Um, and I'll use kind of Metallica as an instance. You might record a couple versions of the same drum fill, right? And you mm. keep the one that's got the best feel and maybe edit that. When you do reamping with guitar, it's not about feel. It's not about how you played. It's about how tight it was. Everything else is secondary to it. Mm -hmm. When you play with an amp, you're playing very reactively because exactly how that, that sounds in a given moment. So you might decide to play something eight times and choose the seventh take for no fucking good reason just because it sounded way better and how you played, you know, listening to the mix, listening to your amp, all that kind of in the moment, spontaneous stuff, you completely lose that out mm -hmm. when you do the reamping. I'm so glad you said that because every time reamping that topic comes up, I always look to a guitar player and be like, you're playing to your amp on stage, aren't you? Yeah. Because I know that I'm playing to my drums. Mm -hmm. So like if you were to just even if you were to, to um, put me all, like on an electronic kit and you're technically capturing a performance, it still would not sound anything similar to what it would be like if I had played oh, a right. kit. Like, even as an example, if I play through a modern amp that's got lots of saturation and it, it, you know the front end's really pushed, I might play a little bit lighter. I might just use the tip of my exactly. pick and change the angle a little bit for just you know that kind of staccato -y sort of sound. Where yeah. if I have hardly any distortion or I'm playing through like an old Marshall without an overdrive in front... I am going to probably dig in, <laughs> right, you know, and like a quarter of the length of my pick is now going to sink into that string totally. to give me more push and volume to get the same kind of attack, mm -hmm. you know, and sure, like a really great engineer reamping it would probably get a great sound, but I've even myself reamped myself and gone back and when I didn't really realize it till after hearing the masters, but you listen back and you're just like, I spent days sometimes recording one song trying to play it a particular way mm -hmm. and it doesn't sound like how i was recording that day because i didn't use the amp i just had like a monitoring tone right and it no it doesn't sound like how i was capturing that day or maybe even how i had dialed in my mock reamp tone if i'm using a vst right you know because yeah. when i sat to that down too. to print the tone i tweaked it more Yep. And I lost whatever I had that that moment, you know? Yeah. And sometimes it's great to be able to change things after the fact, for sure, yeah. for tonal yeah. reasons, to get a better, cleaner mix. But ultimately, I feel like it's it's really overcoming the, like, oh, crap, I can't change this. Where, like, the right. mix engineer's talent comes out. It's really overcoming the problems that bring out the character of the situation. Yeah. You know, if everything is recorded exactly how the mix guy wants and it just fits together perfect. He's going to use all of his presets that he loves. You know, when did he really even sit there and, and think about what's special about it to bring it out right. if it was so convenient, you know? Well, and that's the thing about reamping and just using electronic drums, especially on, on certain bands. It's like you're taking the music away from the musicians. 
you're leaving it completely in somebody else's hands. Mm. And I just, I can't deal with that as somebody who's on both sides of the glass. Sometimes that's all right. Like what about the sure. Beatles where their producer was like the fifth member? Like he was an well, integral that, part of the band. Yeah. That, that that's also totally a little different, different though. Yeah. That's a little different because he was also composing for them too, which mm. is, it's because it's not like he told Paul or John to like, okay, I'm going to get, your clean DI guitar tone, <laughs> yeah. and then you go piss off for a little while, and then I'm going to figure out your guitar tone. It's like they were all in there collaboratively yeah. figuring right, it out right. and making sure that it was fucking perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they were all in the mix too, right there. Just like no, it needs to be this way. That you know, it's like there's still a lot of power that all of them held. It was, it was, hmm. it was a quality. Among yeah, them. and I, I definitely think that the band needs to be there to have input on what the engineer is doing. Like if you. If you leave the engineer to his own devices and he reamps the guitars the, the way that he wants, then you're going to end up with an album that doesn't really represent not what the band, band wants. Mission. Yeah, yeah the left, band the band yeah. needs to be there to have a say. I left a lot to the engineer, and um, he's he's a pedal nerd, and oh, it sounds yeah. really cool, but it sounds nothing like me live because the guitar got lost. Yeah, and like yeah. he put a lot on my voice, which is good because I'm kind of weird about my voice but i was just like so yeah there's like no guitar this is so electronic it's very electronic and then people hear that and then they go to see me i'm like yeah it's just um yep it's me uh, a bass amp and a guitar like there's no so it's weird it's good it's really good he did a great job but i'm kind of like this is not what people are gonna get when they see me live because i don't have a ton of pedals yeah um Mm -hmm. right and that, that's I wasn't the, shooting for a ton of pedals, so he had a lot of leeway. But I also recorded it for free, so <laughs> sure, yeah, <laughs> like, okay, yeah. That that's that's difficult, but at the same time, it's like I don't know. I I always considered myself to be in service of the band. Yeah, right. it's like I, they should have the vision. They mm-hmm. need to have the sound. It's like they if they are if they request your help for obtaining that sound, or if they want your input, that's one thing. Then you can help them out, but. It's like the, it needs to come from them. Yeah, I'm always. Right. I mean, I think and, and even Brian will say that. Like he, absolutely. Like he's yeah. obviously a fan of reamping, but like I know, talking about like the recording for the Vacant Eyes album, he had the band band members there to have input as to like which amps and which cabs and which mic placement were being oh, used yeah. to figure out what the tone of the album would be. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and the other thing is that that Brian has. Lots of resources mm-hmm. to add his disposal too. So I, I also, you know, it's like for for people who are who just have their bedroom and Pro Tools or any DAW that you might be using, then like you do whatever you need to do to create what you need to create. Like it, you know, I, I don't bag on reamping as like oh you should never because again that goes against mm-hmm. the the idea of of, of like uh, you know like you should just be open to whatever. So it's like if if you know if you need ramp if you need to use a doll or VSTs or whatever you do what you got to do and that's your sound that's fantastic but it's sometimes be your sound it's got to be right, something no, that's yeah. it's got to be to utility because when you think about yeah. it if you were an electronic band or even like there's a totally. lot of modern gent bands for instance that would greatly desire a very robotic sound absolutely and that reamping and over editing would that's yield. how you get it exactly that's yeah. exactly what you want to do but mm. you know for instance an old school metal mix you probably want to be you want to you sound know, like four marshals and yeah like, like you, 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 you were the later, guy yeah. for instance miking up the amp you probably want to watch your guitar player where he stood in front of his amp as he dialed in his tone exactly. put your mic where his ear was and start moving from there that is precisely what i just did for the dmp album actually yeah because he's so 
precise about what he's looking for. It's like I had to adjust a bunch of things and really figure it out. And like I, I literally, I did just that. I was like, okay, dial in your tone exactly how you want it, and figure out where it sounds the best, and tell me where that is, and then I will stand there and listen to it and figure out how to get that sound. And that's what we did. And it turned out pretty good. So yeah, I mean it. You know, it, it comes down to creativity and just what you're looking for. But again, it's important to have a vision and make sure that, A, from a musician standpoint, that you're firm on achieving that vision. And B, mm. uh, from an engineer standpoint, you're receptive that, to that vision and also open to doing new things to, to obtain said right. vision. So, yeah. That was a cool conversation. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> told you we could. We made it, a guys. whole list yeah, of stuff really to cool. talk about, and we haven't even like touched on that. We just totally Can went I from like Spotify into the balls it. deep um, sound engineer conversation. <laughs> so I, I think this is good. Uh, these, this is so good pause point to uh, to take a break for a track. So Kelsey, okay. what song would you like us to to play? I mean, I'm no, you'll be playing the, later, uh, but yeah, as the interlude song. Yeah, yeah. So like of your set later, what would you like to? Uh, probably Buried Wounds. Buried Wounds. Yeah. All right. This is Buried Wounds by Kelsey. All right. Woo. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Here's that nice song about coping. A therapist's love. I know I said I'd watch you drown. But I turned my head when you sunk down Still feel your fists, it's been a year And I burned your letters but I want them here Cause you shoulda known every stony word you throw You oughta thank me for loving you Fantastic. That was a uh, murdery ballad from Kelsey. Thank you very much. 
You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I suppose we should talk about what uh, our musical guests today have going on in the near future. So, uh, Kelsey, since you just had the last song, why don't you tell us about any upcoming shows or anything cool that you might have happening in the near future? I'm playing a lot of shows around um, in the Pioneer Valley, August 4th. I'm playing at 13th Floor with Fire Letters and uh, John Trudeau and Grey Matter. Ooh. And then August 27th, I'm playing at Shenanigans Pub with uh, John Trudeau and the Prozacs, I think. And then um, on September 6th, I'm playing the Sierra Girl in Northampton, also with John Trudeau. Um, we're really weird. No one knows where to put us, so we just play every <laughs> single show together. Um and also, he's the greatest. And then October 2nd, I'm playing at the Midway Cafe in Jamaica Plain. Unfortunately, without John Trudeau. <laughs> no. no. Yeah. So, yeah, Have it's a lot. Have you played the Midway Cafe before? Yep. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, nice. Um, April, I believe. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's a cool little place. It is cool. Yeah, I like it. I like the um the bartender that tells everyone to go to Target. For everything, <laughs> he's great. He's an amazing person. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Midway Cafe is where uh, Kyle, former drummer of Sonic Pulse, got me super hopped up on Red Bulls, and then I spent the whole night yelling at Mick in between <laughs> tracks. <laughs> no, we need to play the next song right now. No bullshit. Stop it. No <laughs> riffs. Let's go. <laughs> Was that are we? Show are, are we talking about a show horror story right now? <laughs> I don't know. There was a gore blaster there. That's pretty <laughs> horrific. Oh, he was just on. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. I love my ginger. <laughs> Genius ginger. For real, when he's not like making scientific breakthrough of the century, he's busy tech deathing or math rock, or he's also doing a prog jazz solo album kind of thing. Yeah. Spend too much Prolific. time smoking weed. <laughs> record some shit. Catch up. Oh, party foul. It's okay. Just water. That's not a big deal. Well, Focusing on the dude, important dude. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, show us horror stories. Why not? Let's uh, break in. So who wants to start? I got one that's not a very long one, but speaking of Kyle, it was I think his first show or one of the bigger shows with us. Anyways, we were playing. Um, the hell is it in Boston I can't remember the name of the gig it was a sold out show though so it was one of the first bigger uh, gigs we played and it was a big deal for Kyle his family came out we were two and a half songs into the set and the power for the whole block died and there was no recovering from it for like an hour and a half so it was just like Kyle got up there for like half a song we were still transitioning him in so I think Dan did vocals and drums for like the first two songs or something like that That's and then just nothing we could do oh my god it was like nothing worse than being like it's one thing when you're like all right fuck, i have to fix this right away yeah. it's another thing being like no one can fix this <laughs> yeah there's nothing i can do everything's fucked call national grid yeah. we need trucks here <laughs> right now <Yeah>. Stat. <laughs> so that was a huge bummer but my um show horror story was one of the first shows I was playing was at this little dive bar, Deviate, and oh wow, um, yeah. the sound guy brought his dog to hang out, which was really cool yeah. for a while. 
and then the dog just before doors opened up took a huge shit in the middle of the dance floor <laughs> and like nobody at the bar was gonna clean it up and oh my god so, so i'm like screaming and i don't know i'm not gonna clean up this shit and i'm not gonna play if there's a huge pile of dog shit on the dance floor so something here has to be sorted out yeah sound guy get your fucking shit together yeah clean right. up after your goddamn dog <laughs> I played a punk house where um, it was big with like the crust punk bluegrass bands, and then like also me and a lot of them had come from like California or something. They had been, oh, wow. they were touring, yeah, like a really long way, and um, but they all had a dog, <laughs> and some bands had like three <laughs> dogs, and some bands had two, and then. One of the bands had one dog named Franklin. He's very nice, and I love him. But then the other ones were, like, dogs that are always on the road, and their owners can't afford to take care of them because they're crust punks, <laughs> which is fine, but don't... And the dogs are really nice, but I would pet them. And, yeah, the dogs started fighting, and they had to be separated, and the power kept going out, and I had my electric. I didn't know where... I didn't know what... I didn't know what that place was. I was like, there's a place in... Like Belchertown, that there's a venue in Belchertown. I didn't know that, and it was this really old house where the floorboards were popping up and the doors wouldn't close. Oh God! And uh, yeah, I went home with like twelve mosquito bites. <sighs> didn't play outside. Yeah, it was um, it was a mess, and everyone there was such a sweetheart, and I did have a good time, but don't. That sounds like a crust punk story because it was filled with dirty things, but also everybody was a sweetheart and Every, like yeah. you just wanted to hug them, but not really. Like Their we just high five affectionately. <laughs> they had good moonshine, and that's the other way you know is that there was moonshine, and I just had a sip, and I just went, what? "Okay, yeah, that's amazing." No, get that away from me. <laughs> yeah, I had uh, apple pie moonshine in Ooh. McMeckin, West Virginia. Hmm. At this bar, and it was fucking delicious. That's awesome. Holy shit. Was, was it like, like an new item? Like Apple yeah. Moonshine, or was it like a one that the bar had made? No, this dude had brought his own moonshine in, and the bar oh. was cool with it, and started pouring it for everybody. That's oh my fantastic. God. Moonshine okay. was yeah. at That's a Motley so Crue cool. concert. West Virginia. Back <laughs> <laughs> in the parking lot. <laughs> so yeah, that was, that was my McMeckin story. It was fucking cool. And then we slept in a basement, and it was way too fucking cold. That was terrible, but Moonshine was great. Moonshine was real good. It was my first interaction with Moonshine, and I was not disappointed. There better uh, be Moonshine in the new Fallout game. What's that? (gasps) It it takes place in West Virginia. Oh, that's right. New expectations. Has to have Moonshine to live up to the state's reputation. There you go. Yep. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. (laughs) Screw Sunset Sarsaparilla, right? We're moving east. Fuck is that? That uh, more Fallout jokes. I'm so sorry. Uh, I turned your podcast nerdy. I <laughs> didn't okay. even get that far into Fallout. Yeah. Well, which Fallout is that from? Uh, New Vegas. Oh, oh I, I didn't play okay. that one. Sorry. It's not that good. Don't worry Could about say it. You <laughs> the soundtrack is awesome. <laughs> no, I'll toe well tap through the man. wasteland all day. Huh? I'll t- I'll toe tap through the wasteland all day. Yeah. There's enough two t- <laughs> two step swing stuff to keep me motivated. <laughs> Yeah, that was the one that like Merle Haggard was on. Or, I don't know. Oh yeah, the Fallout New Vegas soundtrack of what plays in the radio in and out is all like classic country, like when it was country and not like shitty twang pop. Oh, it was sick. like Patsy Cline, Merle Haggard. Um, there's a little bit of Johnny Cash. There was like George Jones, but like the good George Jones. 
if you have an opinion on George Jones, it's it's what you want. Yeah, it's really cool. But I've heard the game people are like neither here nor there with. They're like, it's okay. But hmm. then they're all just like, but the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Because I did get into Fallout 4 really hard. That's the one I like a lot. Yeah. It's good. I mean, it's just fun to walk around Boston and be like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I, I recognize Dude, there's some, some of, of the rivers where I'm like, oh my god, I totally get stuck in traffic on the street all the time. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Dude, you know what's freaky too is that I feel like they got the lighting really correct. <laughs> like if you walk out to the towards the outskirts where it's more, you know, sort of foresty and stuff, it looks more like as you're getting out west in Massachusetts, it's, it's nice. sort of eerie. It's like, wow. wow, they fucking nailed it. I can't it's, wait. It's crazy. I haven't, so, I haven't gotten to Quincy someone yet. not nailing a location. You know the Boston scene in the end of uh, War of the Worlds, the one with uh, Tom Cruise? Oh, wow, uh, yeah. Yeah, so that's actually where I grew up, Naugatuck, Connecticut. Really? Yeah. Shit. <laughs> 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 that's what they... It's, it's so expensive to film in Boston that, like, um, for a lot of movies, like, even the good ones, like, I feel like The Departed is pretty good in Mystic River. And, and then there's, like, the town where they, like, film, which is just bad for different reasons, but, like... You don't like the town? I don't like the town. <laughs> like, no, I don't. Damn. For, like, personal, I'm like, Charlestown, like, hasn't been like that in, like, more than two decades. Okay. And they're just enough, like, but... nope, they have cell phones. I'm like, ah. It's just, it's, it's just a nitpicky. Fair enough. Thing where I'm just like, no, I've been around there for uh, like 28 years. So, no. Totally fair. But uh, sorry, the other ones, it's because the taxes are so high to film in Massachusetts that they'll like do a swing around like the Prudential Center with a camera and they'll film like the Zikum Bridge and stuff. And then they'll go film the rest of it in New York City where it's <laughs> cheaper too. So, but that's funny that like if you're watching it, you're like, that's Naugatuck. Yeah. <laughs> that's not Boston. <laughs> Yeah. Well, there's also that completely CGI shot right before the end of it too, where it's like there's they're on some highway and like the uh, the skyline of Boston from like a strange angle is in the distance. Yeah. It's like that doesn't <laughs> exist. Yeah, but like the, the smokestacks <laughs> yeah. or whatever, the like uh, robot, the aliens piloting or whatever that they fall on in the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's uh, that's an abandoned factory right off Route Eight. Because <laughs> <laughs> it sort of looks like Shrafts or what used to be Shrafts down yeah. by that way. So it's like, okay, I can sort of... It's just another okay. generic-looking New England mill building, so yeah. it could have been anywhere. It's very true. Very true. But, like, I want to say 40% of the female population in my grade got arrested for trying to break into the set to see Tom Cruise. Oh. As you do. Yeah, it, I mean, they were there for, like, two weeks, and it was just so funny The first, like when they rolled into town and we all came into class, and it was just like, where's everybody? <laughs> Three or four days later when their parents had all like bailed them out of jail. Speaking of Tom Cruise though, did anybody see the new Mission Impossible? No. no. Holy nope. fucking shit. Yeah? yeah? It's real good. It's really, really good. I saw it yesterday, in fact. Hmm. And that was that was a wild ride. It was really good. I'm still just hyped on the Marvel stuff. And oh, yeah. and the Wasp was so adorable. And like it just gave me such it. a good feel-good vibe through the whole movie. Nice. Cool. I'm looking forward to seeing it. It was a good change of pace from Avengers where I just felt sad for like (laughs) six and a half hours and then the movie ended. Then I was sad and empty. That's a rough spot to be in. I haven't even watched those since I think like the second or third one. 
And especially with the last one, there were so many memes that I'm like... (laughs) You almost saw most of the movie at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And I've like... I read Civil War and then a little past Civil War. But like Infinity War was like, I got enough of the background and had enough memes that I'm like, I don't even know what the fucking point is. <laughs> Why would I go see it? <laughs> it's need Titanic 2. It you already know what's happening at the <laughs> end. Why bother? <laughs> yeah. Titanic 2. Oh, man. There hasn't been a lull in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been like several podcasts since a, a strange lull. <laughs> I guess. Just bask in it. I don't know. I think we're all just like really if stoned. Yeah. <laughs> no. I'm also a little tipsy though, so I'll probably go in. I yeah, could. I have another. Sh- I don't know. I played a. Hey, what do we got on the old list there? Yeah. It's, I mean, nobody, nobody really dove deep into the uh, horror stories. Usually, that's I have like, like a huge. lot of them, but none of them are long stories. You know, like pretty much most of my my gigs have been horror stories. So <laughs> I played um out of the blue gallery in Cambridge. Which oh, is, out of the blue too. Yeah. Yeah. Is that and now defunct? I think so. Yeah. There was like a harassment thing or something, something pretty serious. Ooh. But I played there with two hardcore bands, a pop punk band, and my friend Claire, who does live looping. And there's this lady wow. from uh, Kerry, Ireland, who kept taking this massive, like, seven hundred dollar precious gem or chunk of amethyst or something, and being like, "It's so expensive." And then putting it back in the drawer and locking it. And then someone come in and she'd tell them there was this big great Pyrenees named Admiral or something. And uh, he would do a loop and then leave. The hardcore bands took 45 minutes to set up and find their drummer and contact them. (laughs) And then they played a lousy set. That is very much a hardcore thing. And uh, I had to call out of work. I was just texting my boss being like, I'm in Cambridge. It's, uh, It's midnight. The show is only supposed to go till one. I haven't been on yet. Uh, I'm not coming into work. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was weird. That was very surreal. Yeah, that sounds like a wild time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we had a weird one <laughs> out of weird. the blue, too, as well. Out of the blue, too, too. Uh, <laughs> we played with Beast of Nod and uh, fucking uh, Adrian Eber's band. Before they split up, they were fucking awesome. Does anybody remember? The fuck? I'm trying to remember it. It'll like it's on me. the tip of my tongue, but fuck. Love that kid. He's somewhere in Vermont right now, just chilling out. God damn. It. He feels the vibes. We're thinking of him, but he's subtly yeah. disappointed. I miss <laughs> him so much. God damn it. Oh, I'm I sorry. Know, I don't have a lot Adrian of show Eber. horror stories because, like, gigs are sweet and I have a good time. Like, oh, I got one. Even even when the dog shit on the floor, like, I still made a good show out of that. Like, Fair enough. Just yeah. made fun of the sound guy during my set. Made everything okay. They're Tip all tat. good. They're all a good time, but some of it, like, I was also heckled by some dude. Ugh. Um, which I guess I handled well, but I just kept uh. I'd like answer his questions really quickly and then just start playing and he would keep talking. He was wasted. But he's just like playing. He's like, that shit's powerful. I was like, thank you. And I start playing and he'd be like, you're so beautiful. And I'd be like, thank you. (laughs) And he (laughs) would just be like, do you want to borrow my hat? I want to steal your hat. And I was like, you can't. (laughs) Yeah, it was 
that was that place is weird. Yeah. Still had a really good time, but it was just a lot of. It was a lot. The place is a lot. A friend of mine would harass my band so bad we would just get the crowd to yell fuck Steve Gates fuck Steve Gates <laughs> and that became like a thing at Cronivore's gigs where every time he would show up we would just preemptively instead of doing a hey chant we would roll into that chant instead and like yo when you yell something at people they'll yell it back it's cool you can yell whatever you want it's fun <laughs> so it was fuck Steve Gates all over New England and Damn. it became like such a thing we made him a custom shirt so it's, it's <laughs> Carnivore on the front, and then fuck Steve Gates and neon letters on the back. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's love. Yeah, for real. So what is this uh, story that you have in the chamber there? So I'm not going to name the band, but it's a band I used to be in. Um, hooked us up with a gig around Halloween time a few years back. And I know Nick would remember this if he was here. Motherfucker. Um, but so anyways, so this uh, band I used to be in had kind of like put on the show and organized the whole thing. And for me, it was kind of a, uh, I quit the band, but the band thinks they fired me situation. So, oh, I see. <laughs> yes. So it was one of those, like, I was kind of going there to be like, all right, this is what I've done with myself. And you haven't even left uh, New England once, you know, yeah. since me being in your band like seven years ago or something like that. Um. So there was a little of that going on. But anyway, so we get to the gig and whatever sound guy they had hired wasn't really a sound guy so much as a guy that just owned a bunch of sound equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody, of course, was, you know, very, you know, on top of the time schedule being stuck to and you know, really strict about that. And we were opening up the band because we were the smallest of the band's. You know, yeah, we we can't see your air quotes yeah, through right, the interwebs. Right, yeah. Many many air air quotes. <laughs> um, but so we get up there, and there's just a box of sound gear, and it's Great. like time for us to play in 15 minutes. And so we get up there, and we're like, you know, hey man, what's going on? I'm like your sound guy's not setting up. You know, where is he? Who's doing this? And we just kind of got stutters in response to that. And same thing from the guy who was the supposed sound guy, because uh, he had no idea how to run it. So. We then cut into our own time, miking the drum kit, setting up all the vocal mics. We had to figure out how this, it was a pretty decent stage. So we had to figure out how they had everything snaked, how their control booth worked, the whole nine yards. And lost like 20, 30 minutes of our set, had to like rush through it. They gave us like an extra 10 minutes. Oh, you know, big whoops. Isn't that generous? (laughs) Yeah. You know, and you know. That's kind of where that story ended. Obviously, we were pretty bitter about that the rest of the night, and you know we weren't really in the mood to enjoy the headlining acts. You yes. know, after they had you know set up this ridiculous fiasco for us to save. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's fucked, dude. Yep. That's so fucked. So a lot of them are good, but uh, some of them, yeah. some of them kind of just ruin the rest of your day. <laughs> oh, totally. Totally. Yeah, that actually just happened to us. Well, not like the same thing, but we had sort of a, a horror-ish story. We were playing in uh, Scummerville, and uh, this band before us just took so fucking long to set up. Just way too long. They should have been headlining, but they weren't. And But they took a headlining amount of time to set up and then played a headlining set of about an hour and ten minutes. Uh, That's long. It's a really long time. It's a really, really long time, especially when you're not the headliner. Right. There's another band playing after you, which we were. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And so, my heart breaks. <laughs> yeah. Needless to say, we played to the bartender. 
and it was a pretty filled up room too but not by the end of their set and surely not by the time we got on <laughs> uh. yeah it was it was rough it was a rough night we haven't had one of those in a long time so i just see it as like all right that's a nice payment that's a nice due payment send that check oh. in the mail and <laughs> actually all right just move on <laughs> i came up with a good um horror story about the setup thing um Cronvor got booked to gig at Lucky 13 Saloon in uh Brooklyn which yeah. I love. I'll go back there and play in an instant. Yeah. Um but place. their sound dude was like, "Yo, we have a house kit. Feel free to come by and use it." Yep. And we get there and the house kit is covered in like years of dust. Nobody has used this kit. And my drum poor <laughs> drummer Ethan is just screaming like, "Nobody has touched this thing. Everything needs to be tuned. We can't go on yet." No. Ah, freaking out. <laughs> Like the whole the whole gig turned into a disaster because our singer also couldn't make it that day and he told us that morning. So we oh, were like fuck. Ah fuck it, let's just do more guitar solos. Like we can work this out. If any band can just make it up and do this, it's Cronivore. So we rolled down with like half of our members and half of our gear because the rest of it was supposed to be waiting for us and then <laughs> The guitar cab was blown out, and I had a 2x10 oh, bass shit cab, geez. and the drum kit had never been used before, we swear. <laughs> like, Damn. Yep. But there was were the also kid with the black titties, heads on it? so like, it was cool. But once we got there, everything brightened up a little bit. <laughs> Go-go dancers, by the way. Oh, God. yeah, my bad. <laughs> yeah, Lucky 13's quite a place. Show For real, like, it's always a good time, like, even when it's a shit show. Like, yeah. Yeah, because then you get off Don't stage worry, and then it's like you go into the bar and there's either some crazy, obscure 80s B-horror or like a straight up porn on the television. <laughs> that was that was our first introduction to Lucky 13. It was like, wow, they're just, yeah, this this <laughs> chick is just, wow, okay. Yeah, there's, there's <laughs> porn on that TV. You feel a little uncomfortable. The back room is like sweet heavy metal memorabilia. Like totally. it's Slayer posters signed by Slayer from '86. Like, yeah, whoa, no, that's like, cool. It's cool room, and it, and it, like it gives it or a nice girls raw and corpses rock and roll vibe. Written up in the corner, yeah, girls yeah. and corpses defines that whole uh, venue in in one <laughs> statement. For sure, yeah, but yeah, when you're not like expecting that, and you just roll, and it's like, oh. Wow. Okay, that's graphic. The first time oh I was goodness. there, See, they were doing black metal yoga before a gig, and it was oh, just yeah, a bunch yeah, yeah. of people with dreadlocks and black shirts doing yoga. It's yep. like, I feel so at home right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you do step in there, and it's like, yeah, this is right. This is yeah. where what metal venues should be everywhere. Yeah. There should be one of these in every city, too. And right. I, Somebody puke in a bathroom, be. like on the floor. Fuck the toilet. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> then he'll feel more that, homey. That's a good point. I've made this you know, to a lot of people who have started up venues and whatnot. But you notice there's a lot of places you go to shows in New England where it doesn't really look like you're at a show. Yeah, not at all. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't want to play in this weird restaurant. And like, like I want to play. Now, now granted, yeah, there are show. a lot of really quirky kind of places like that that are kind of neat. But a lot of the venues you go to, it is not really, you know, to the average person, I guess they, I feel like, don't feel like they're walking into a concert or a, or venue. You right. know? Yeah, I totally. They feel like it's a talent show. Yeah, essentially. Lounge is like that too, which is where we just played. It was fucking terrible. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys uh, again, have like, like there's a an extent where like if you really try hard, you know, like 
basement shows are great. That's a, that's a, a, yeah. a great example of how someone can turn a little space like that into something very quirky. Like you know, decorate with a little all bit. of the uh, spray paint. Yeah, but a lot of times it's like someone cleared out a corner of the room and it's just a bare corner with nothing in it. Nothing, you know, and it's like it really doesn't feel like you wanted music to be a priority at all. And yeah, like your a two-channel sound mixer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why are you booking metal here? Right. What, what the you, fuck are you doing? You're booking anything in there for. Yeah. <laughs> or like anything besides like a one-man acoustic act or something. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Fucking bullshit. Or a one-woman acoustic act. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's weird. I don't really... Uh... Do you do house parties and stuff like that? Like if I, I was in a band that parties. was more intimately friendly kind of thing i definitely would but it's hard to book like speed metal for your five friends in a living room like yeah, <laughs> yeah it's kind of a specific thing well, you gotta like. have the right yeah gear for i'm yeah. kind of a actual venue kind of singer songwriter because i've been booked at like juice bars and restaurants and like breweries and then only once though because when they hear the lyrics and they actually <laughs> play because you like and I don't do background music about sunflowers and stuff. And it's cool that people who do, a lot of my friends just, like, make their living doing that. Yeah. Um, but it it does, like, if you eat there and I'm playing there, that is the first and last time. Because, <laughs> like, the owners or whoever's listening to us just like, okay. All right. I think this is about cursing this someone with a horse head on a This is about as much of this steak as I can stomach, right? <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, my soup doesn't look good anymore. So <laughs> it is kind of like like I kind of do to play an actual venue, but then also I'm just like, yeah. So this is weird. Like I'll send out and I'll be like, but listen to this first before you're just like, no, no solo acoustic acts. Will you please listen to it because I don't know where else someone anyone's gonna put me. <laughs> so it's fine though. Have you heard of a band called um, Dazed and Days? I think I've heard of them. Yeah, heard they're the name. Um, like. Uh, duo acoustic metal act. Um, it's just cool. two people on acoustic guitars, but all of the riffs they play are very reminiscent of like some thrash stuff. You hear the triplet gallops and uh-huh. stuff like that, and then they sing about being nihilists and violence and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> nice, but they like make it work. I don't know. It makes me want to pound beers, but not necessarily like hit people in a mosh pit. Right, I right. Like feel yeah. good at the folk vibes too. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I. Do you, I get a kick out of it when I play like places like that? Like I played a farmer's market once, Fuck and yes. I wrote, <laughs> I've written like one song where you're like this is cute and happy, and like this is definitely about being in love, and there's no negative anything. Also, my friend helped me write it, so they weren't my lyrics, <laughs> so <laughs> which is probably why. And I would just be playing some songs. There was no, there's no sound system, no mic, no PA. So I was just like, "Well, you're all over there buying peppers. I'm over here. There's no mic. I can just do what I want." So I was just playing everything, and then this little kid runs over, and he's like, "I'm gonna dance," and I would just start that other song, and then he'd run off to go like look at something, and then he anyway, and murder. I would go back to what I was doing, and then he'd come back, and I'd be like. Yeah, we're gonna pick it up a little bit. And I was like, I know you don't care, but your mom's staring at me and she thinks this is really cute, so we're just gonna keep it really cute. And then he ran away and I'm like, eh, we're back to the head slicing. <laughs> so I have fun with it. That's awesome. That's <laughs> I'm just so like, great. well, you're never gonna invite me back, so we're gonna <laughs> we're going full murder. <laughs> Alright, I'm Kelsey, this is a Christian Grindcore band. This song is called Cemetery Road. 
<laughs> Praise be to the dark one. on the road and when we were down has anybody played the rusty nail down in philly no i, I want to get into philly yet hook me up with that connection man no uh oh yeah so this gig that we played we uh we closed for a blues jam oh shit no yo i'm super down what <laughs> yeah yeah that was that was a party uh, yeah, so a blues jam played for an hour and a half. Of course they did, because they're a blues jam. Yep. <laughs> and then a local noise artist went on what? to kick off the more metal festivities. And then uh, as Epicenter was setting up, is anybody familiar with Wheeler Walker Jr.? Uh, yeah, I've heard yeah. that yeah. once or twice Not before. really. Okay, it's like filthy, 
filthy country. Redneck country, yeah. Okay. But it, it's 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 a, it's a joke. He's he's a comedian that has taken on this role of Wheeler Walker Jr. and he just he kind of lambasts the whole modern country thing and just writes like just ridiculous fucking lyrics. He has a so, song about smoking weed in the back of a pickup truck that I'm partial to. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So it's like he's got a lot of songs like that, and like uh, one of my favorites is like eating pussy, sucking dick, and kicking ass. <laughs> <laughs> so I put like I found that they had a jukebox, and Wheeler Walker was on there. So I put about fifteen dollars worth of <laughs> Wheeler Walker and just played it on a loop. And I kid you not, the fucking owner comes up and he's like, "Man, this is the first time in twenty years of working here that a metal band has ever put on country in a bar." With like no realization of like the, the just how funny it was pure <laughs> filth that's playing over the fucking PA right now, just like one like there's a song called Family Tree where he's like I want to nail everyone on your family tree it like goes into detail about like fucking each member in different ways during the chorus it's amazing so yeah for like a good twenty minutes just the most ridiculous shit was playing and nobody it like didn't phase anybody I I caught like a couple odd like. Did oh, he really say that? Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that you just said that. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? I mean, did it sound good enough that you could actually like figure out what he was saying? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like very intelligible lyrics. Very intelligible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could pick up every word of what he was saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you funny. know, that just kind of goes to show how much like the average bar goer isn't there for the music. Though, like, if you're just there to hang out and play pool, you don't even notice this joke that all of the musicians in the room are in on. Like, I can only imagine the hysterical laughs of the epicenter dudes while they're setting (laughs) up. (laughs) Especially as they've heard some of these songs like two or three times. Lyrics barely matter to people. Oh, yeah. If at all. People do notice when you put on Evisceration Plague, though, <laughs> at a local townie bar. That's the blast beats. Because I've also done that with Zach Smith of Lich King fame. We went out <laughs> to this bar in Milford, and we found that their jukebox had Cannibal Corpse and Strapping Young Lad on it. So, of course. We put on the live version of Evisceration Plague, which on this fucking sound system in a bar just sounds like... <laughs> 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 and everyone was just, like the room went dead everybody was like partying it's just a bunch of fucking random New Hampshire people just like yucking it up having a good time and then everybody was just like oh. <laughs> wow what's what's going on right now <laughs> it's amazing my friend and I used to uh, go into yield watering hole in Northampton and uh, we would just go to the jukebox and like she would start off with like R. Kelly or something and it's one of those He's ones where man, you right? can just like search <laughs> Yeah. so it would be bump and grind but then you could just do whatever like it's running off of basically Spotify and then we'd be like okay so we're gonna go to R. Kelly then we're gonna go to Tom Waits after Tom Waits Ooh. I'm gonna put on Electric Wizard okay <sighs> but it, it's, all, it's, it's pretty accessible right now and it's like Electric Wizard okay then I think we're gonna go to Neurosis we're like okay holy <laughs> yes. shit we could do Neurosis and then we're just like alright and I want to go somewhere else. This place is packed. They're like, okay, we're putting on Blur Trumpets Gabrielle by Behemoth. Yes. And we're leaving before it comes on. And like, I would always have somebody being like, what the hell, Kelsey? <laughs> like, I just wake up to, what the fuck? <laughs> by like people that were there and are just like, we know this was you. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. Sometimes I would like to sit there like, no, we're staying for it. We were watching people being like playing pool, just like, <laughs> 
It's like, okay, I guess I'm putting up with this. My greatest achievement, that bar next to the Metropolis, the, the now defunct Metropolis, sadly, uh, just right across the way, Goblet and, and us went over there and I put on the whole 2112 suite. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> and people were flocking furious. <laughs> I went up to get a drink randomly and I just overheard one of the bartenders being like, is this song still on? (laughs) And we were only like eight minutes into a 21 minute song and they were not happy. (laughs) I put on Ants in the Sky at a bar in downtown Newport and just watched people in like boat shoes wander out all night long. (laughs) Nice. Oh, this is going to be a while. Don't worry. There's a country section coming. I would just tell the people that dared to stay. Be like, no, wait for it. It's going to be cool. <laughs> I was so disappointed at this bar in Fitchburg. I was there with um, with my boyfriend and my friend, and they were just like, "Yeah, we already put enough money in, so like you can put in whatever. It's it's a free jukebox." And we were like, "Okay, we're gonna put on like, yeah, why not? We're gonna put on like Doom, we put on like Red Fang and Electric Wizard and stuff." And then I was like, <laughs> "Dope smoker," <laughs> and we found it, but it was. <laughs> It was the abbreviation for fifteen dollars or something like all night, but you got to pay for it. <laughs> yep. Oh no! Like the bar had already paid for it. So, but we were super. Oh, but it was only like a ten minute. It was only ten minutes of dope Aww. smoker because then we realized we were like, <laughs> and we didn't care what we put on after, so we were just letting it run, letting other people because who cared for like an hour and three minutes. We were listening to exactly what we wanted to, but it was only like 10 minutes. So after that, we were listening to like Maroon 5 or something. Or something. We were just like, oh boy. And then it was whatever we put on afterwards that we didn't really care about. And we were like, no. No. Like, we wanted to mess with people. Like, Bring back wanted. Matt for president. Yeah, Matt for president. Matt for town treasurer. Why are you at a bar in Shitburg? That's like, that's my neck of the woods and that place fucking sucks. It was... The, like, college bar-ish sports town one. There's um, a couple of those, because Fitchburg State's right there. near the boulder, but it, it wasn't a dive bar. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, like, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, because yeah. I, I drive past that to go home after this. All oh. Time. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's my route. I go through right through the center of Fitchburg, right next to the boulder. That's, that's cool. so crazy. Yeah. My friend yeah. used to live Fuck in Fitchburg. And then we uh, went to a show at the rec room. Oh, yeah. And then we wound up leaving the rec room early. I forget why. And my friend had been living in Fitchburg, and she had been calling it Shitburg. And she was just like, yep. she was constantly, she was like, I could find something I like about it. And I'm going to keep shit talking it because I need to convince myself to leave. Yeah. And uh, we went to, she's like, no, it's going to be a crap bar. It's going to be a terrible bar because it's in Fitchburg and they call it a boulder. It's just a big rock. It's not a boulder. And she was, yeah. so we went there and she's like, crap, it's really nice in here. And then they were like, yeah, it's uh, actually free music. We already put all the money in. And we we're just like, we could just put on a bunch of doom. And then she was like, crap, this place is really good. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Yeah. But she's not there anymore. But well, good yeah. for her. Because getting out of that place is what you want to do. Yep. Fuck Fitchburg. Yeah. Fuck all of Fitchburg. I went to high school there. Oh, was not really? I impressed. In an, in an abandoned, or not an abandoned, but a refitted uh, shoe factory. Oh. Yeah. Uh, not fun. No. Fuck that place. Yep. And then they got a new school, which is amazing, but after I left. 
<laughs> oh yeah, uh, always. Fucking sons of bitches. Yeah. I think Thunderfudge got offered a show in Fitchburg not long ago. But really? It, it, it was at a place that didn't sound like a real venue, and it was a bunch of like random bands that yeah. we'd never heard of. There's no real venues like, in Fitchburg. It was all like generic chugga chugga core. Yeah. Steer clear of Fitchburg. Yeah. Somebody offers you a gig there, you'd be like, politely, no. Yeah, they wanted yeah. us to sell tickets to play it. We were like... That sounds like Fitchburg. Yeah. Don't, no. Oh, no. No, thank you. Yeah. And then you have to be in Fitchburg for a couple hours, which you don't want to do either. There's a brewery and there's that one bar where on Saturdays there's enough money in it that you can put on whatever you want and that the patrons don't give enough of a shit if you just put on a bunch of, I don't know, just a bunch of doom. They don't so seem to, to that care. Place. Sometimes they like it. Yeah, that place that I can't remember the name of. But is can great. I put on like <laughs> rust and peace beginning to end without anybody giving a dirty look is what I really want to know. I don't know. It was... Doom's cool, but let's go fast, fellas. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, no, you should go and try to put on Rust in Peace. I think it was on a Saturday. <laughs> Pretty sure that they did the free night. And I don't know the name of this place, but if you're in Fitchburg and you're like, this bar doesn't suck, I think it's that one. <laughs> right. <laughs> the other one definitely sucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all other things in Fitchburg suck. Yeah, everything there. Yeah fucking terrible it's where pretty much like the worst of any drugs you could find in new hampshire came from fitchburg yep every time or yeah, they came time. from pepperell townsend which is all which are also adjacent and where i live <laughs> to me oh I live in a great pocket of fucking society <laughs> it's great when uh when all the elections happen you see massachusetts and all the little districts basically solidly blue all the way up the state and then if you notice there's a couple like two three districts at the top of the map that are like fucking solid red. That's where I live. Mm. People flying Yay. Confederate flags and shit. <laughs> it's a wonderful place. There are Confederate flags where I grew up too in like southeastern Massachusetts. Ugh. Yeah. Not a ton of them, but enough of them that I'll go back and they'll be like, Yeah, you know, you're gonna come home eventually. You're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna move back home. I'm like, No. <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. Not at all. <laughs> Yeah, Rhode Island's kind of the same way. We're such a blue state. I was confident enough to vote Green Party in the last <laughs> election. <laughs> Just be like, ha, I voted for the Green Party. Then Why did you vote for the Green Party? Because <laughs> we were a blue state anyway. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah, if, I mean, the electoral your college vote matters like, unless it doesn't matter. Sorry, dude. If you're in a swing state and you voted Green Party, then I'm just like, what the. <laughs> Ugh! Like how dare you? It's not the only reason, but it's a reason. But like in a blue state, like I don't know, someone's like, I'm diehard for Gary Johnson. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Smith. <laughs> Was he? Gary Johnson all the way. <laughs> love you, Smitty. <laughs> oh, I love he's a cop though. He likes he prefers ranch with his wings to blue cheese. Yes, he does. Yeah. No, Zach's a cop. <laughs> <laughs> if I know anything, it's that Zach is not a cop. But I do, I do like that statement. That's amazing. Zach, you're a cop now. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, because old Smith and I, I don't know, word might have gotten around by now, but he and I finished off an entire bottle of Jameson before we went into a uh, Judas Priest a couple months back. Party. Both <laughs> uked before we got in the venue <laughs> yeah. on the way in. 
And yeah. you can't quit before Judas Priest. Like, there's no turning back once you're in the parking lot. Nope. Yeah, no. Jameson? Ginger Ale and Jameson. We fucking finished, in, like, an entire bottle of Jameson. Jeez. Him and I just fucking listened to Priest in the parking lot before we went into Priest. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, I love you, man. Yeah, dude, you're fucking great, too. Let's go see Priest. <laughs> and this is the show where you're like, you got kicked out and yeah. snuck up into, like, the... I found the secret tape. room above it. <laughs> yep. That was the show because I was that fucking cocked on Jameson and the rest of the beers that we drank while we were in the venue. Because <laughs> there was also a point, too, where Zach, because he is a cop, he's smooth <laughs> as hell. So he managed to get himself onto the lower general admission floor. But And so I was like, I'm fucking getting down there, too. So he, I, not like, smooth as hell. Right? Not smooth as hell. But the thing is, like, he was already down there and he didn't want to leave because he was already there. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. So I'll go get you a beer, too. So I went and got him a beer, and then I couldn't get down there, so I was just stuck with two beers. So what are you going to do with two beers? You're going to fucking drink them. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so on top of, like, two other beers that I'd had once I got into the place, plus a fucking, like, over half a bottle of Jameson in me, I drank two more beers during the goddamn preset, and then just got fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, that was a hell of a night. So Zach is not a cop, but... <laughs> <laughs> I saw the um the first of the last Judas Priest tours and I always felt really cheated when they kept announcing more tours because yeah, I was the, like uh, the Epitaph tour? Pay- yeah. I was like, yeah. yo, I paid $100 for these tickets. Right. How can this not actually be your last tour? Cheated. Damn totally. it. Now I'm just waiting. Like, at some point, it'll be just before their singer's about to fall over. Like, they have to wheel him out on a wheelchair instead of on a Harley Davidson. It'll be yeah. like, okay, this is their last tour. I have to go to this one again. <laughs> Good old Rob Halford. Yeah. Fucking metal god. Live forever. But not. And it pains me. That will be a sad day. Anyway. But in the meantime, we have more Judas Priest tours. So, like, That's go right. see them when you can. Because yeah, they're going to do another one, apparently. And they sounded fucking phenomenal. And the new album's great. I don't yeah, know what the general opinion is, is really here. Good. But, yeah, I really thoroughly enjoyed the new album. I thought Firepower was It's good highway fantastic. music. Man. Yes, exactly. Like, which is sort of the best of Judas to Priest, too. It's like great highway. I mean, headed out to the fucking highways. Great highway, highway <laughs> yeah. music. You know, yeah. yeah. Just they're, they're, they seem to be one of those bands that they can get back on top of their game, even though they're 40, 50 years into their fucking career. It's amazing. Apparently, every time Andy Sneap like, starts recording one of these older bands, he just makes them listen to like all of their like old shit from when like they were in their prime. And just like, Smart man. sound like that. And they do it. And it's really good. <laughs> He's a good man. Although and it's like Firepower, sa- Firepower does sound like a very modern album, but they it does, yeah, yeah. But they, but it's in terms of production, not writing. Right, the writing yeah. Is yeah. Really the music classic. is all like old ass heavy metal. Yeah. See, why can't he do that with fucking Arch Enemy and Priest then, or not Priest? Sorry, uh, Dimu, because he's worked on both the last Dimu albums and worked on like I think a couple of the Arch Enemy albums, and all of those have not been particularly interesting to me. And it's sort of gotten me off those bands, even though I loved them when I was a kid. Um, and it hurts my heart. Because I love Andy Sneap, too. He's great. I think he's fantastic. But the work he did with Arch Enemy and Dimu, I just, like, didn't grab me. Can we segue into a bit of Sonic Pulse news from there? Sure. Um, so Nick Petrino is now playing with D. Snyder, which is mm-hmm. super duper cool. Yeah. And I love his new album because it's a good blend of, like, the classic and the modern. It sounds su- super duper tight. But then, like, D. Snyder's just rock and roll. Like, and the more I dig into D and all the shit he's done, like, the more interesting he gets. 
Like, I'm super about D now just because Nick Petrino plays for his band. That was the whole segue into me. <laughs> I, I heard a couple of Twisted Sister songs. I'm like, yeah, all right, rock and roll, that's cool. And then I find out he's, like, such a proponent of not censoring music and art, which is oh, super dude, cool. Yeah. You, can't, you can't put yeah. a line anywhere because as soon as you do, like, you can put a line anywhere. It doesn't matter how graphic or not graphic it is. There's a line and art can't be... Um, censored like that ever you can make art about anything god damn it so i appreciate d for doing that shit and then like the new album is i don't know it just sounds like a bunch of like more modern rock metal bangers but with d's classic rock styling on top he's really catchy and they're more technical and it's cool the way it clashes and works together yeah and what's crazy too is like watching those sets that they've been posting. The the new stuff and the old stuff that D's playing works well together. Yeah, it it really it melds well. It's not like oh, okay, yeah, you know, there's the '80s thing and then there's the new thing, which is completely different. It's like it it sounds cohesive. It's nice. It it's D Snyder, man, because even like I because now I'm a super huge D fan altogether. He <laughs> even did a Broadway album where he covered a bunch of show tunes, Whoa. and the show tunes album is so rock and roll. <laughs> Like everything is power chords and riffs and you just want to fist bump, but it's like, wait, did I hear this on cats? Shit. Shit. <laughs> like, wow. So, so yeah, like instantly becoming a D D fan. That's sick. Well, D picked a good member to have in your band. So now he spread the gospel of D to the, uh, <laughs> the rest of New England. Uh, I suppose we should, uh, you guys have a new track actually to debut, don't you? Yeah. New segue. We, yeah, segue, segue, back to me. Um, I <laughs> love the new track because it opens up with bass fills, and Sonic Pulse is super cool because everybody in the band gets to do some cool shit. Um, like, I play bass, but I don't like to be anybody's, like, backup man. God damn it, I want my s- share of the stage show. And the new Sonic Pulse track opens up with some cool-ass bass shit. Fuck yeah. So I'm super, super duper hyped about it for the musicality reasons and that this song is really my chance to shine. Fuck yeah. Um, and Mick is super hyped about it because lyrical reasons that I don't pay attention to. So you should talk <laughs> about that. <laughs> yeah, so this is actually uh, probably one of the few songs out there where the band has no rights to the lyrics. <laughs> We actually just did a, a crowdsourcing kind of concept for it. Um, we knew what we wanted to do because the, the working title for the song is the title of the song, Resonator. Um, and we kind of wanted to do a tune about essentially, if you know Bender from Futurama, but if he was a pothead instead of an alcoholic. Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and that just turned out to be like a really fun concept that a lot of people really enjoyed. So we had everything from like... Uh, the bassist from Municipal Waste ended up like chiming in with a few words uh, and just people from all over New England. So the credit list for like that song is like 18 or 22 people or something like that. Fuck yeah. Um, you know, like even None if it was just one being sentence, you, McMare, yeah, right? None of them being me. So like it was kind of neat because I had a, a vocal melody in mind for it. You know, like there was something I was humming anyways along to the riffs. Yeah. Um, so we basically just like did this for a whole night and I kind of just commented and, and kind of gave feedback to people to like instigate them to give me more. Yeah. Um, and by the end of it, it was really neat cause I just had like just a huge poster full of all these phrases about pot smoking robots. And, <laughs> Magic. <laughs> and, and that's just beautiful to begin yeah, with. <laughs> like, even that, like, you know, I'm ripping a blow looking at all of this, like coming in on my newsfeed, just cracking up cause all of it is just 
amazing and hysterical. Yeah. Um, and because I already had the melody in mind, it was just like, it was like a 45 minute process. It was just like, bam, 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 song written. Fuck the yeah. lyrics are done. Nice. You know? Um, so it was fun for that aspect too. Cause I think like, uh, at that point, the reason I had even come up with the idea is cause I was kind of like at a standstill with lyrics that night. And it was like the one tune that I needed them for. And I really had no idea like where to even begin with, you know, mm, yeah. usually like I'll have a couple phrases. Well, or you knew like, where to begin pot and robots. Uh, right. right. Well, yeah, yeah. I knew that much. <laughs> there were some least. gaps to be filled in between. But like I, I usually have, cause I'll try to write songs like verse and chorus riff first and then everything else is after the fact. Yeah. So sometimes even a song will get created and it'll just be, I look at like a tab that's got just a verse and a chorus and I have to then fill everything in because I now need to use the song. Um, so like with that, it was just very, you know, intuitive, I guess, because it just kind of pieced together so quickly like that. Mm. Um, but I had been doing so much lyric writing anyways at the moment that it was just like I couldn't get that. I didn't have that one sentence in mind. You know, I didn't have my chorus phrase or my paragraph or whatever. And I almost always have like a, something that I've said. Because even if I if I come up with a melody for like the chorus that I'm going to sing – it usually comes in the context of a sentence. Mm. And then, you know, I'll know that I want to repeat that melody every time the chorus repeats or something.
well, we're back, everybody. Uh, that I'm was... still not here. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, Resonator by Sonic Pulse, new song from them. Uh, where can we go and hear that? Nowhere, as a matter of fact. Um, so it's only here on the Promoterhead podcast. Really? Mwahaha. Exclusive. Um, yeah, we're going to drop the rest of the album sometime, someday. Yeah, <laughs> that's about as specific as it's going to get. Probably. Uh... So listen to it here. Again, just rewind it like 30 seconds. He'll All be right, back well, in Well, if they, they want to hear more stuff like that, where th- can they go? Outer space. <laughs> You're not helping. They can go fuck themselves. We're now. making future music here, baby. This is why we haven't taken off. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can check us out on uh, Bandcamp. Um, just search for that and Sonic Pulse. Uh, we're actually, conveniently, we come up even if you just search Sonic Pulse on Google. Um, me and Dave Carlino used to spend a lot of time just, you know, searching ourselves so that would happen. <laughs> and it worked. It, there was it's like pretty one cool day, when you stuck. search Sonic Pulse. Like, as me being a new member of the band, it's cool to search one of my band names on Google. And then it's just like, listen to Sonic Pulse on Spotify or blah, blah, blah. And like, we just come up with a huge list of places where you can listen to us because we're the only Sonic Pulse. And that's, I don't know, for me on the outside coming in, that's really cool. It is cool to be like the only one yeah, because right. when I was like, cool, I'm going to search for myself on Spotify, I started to type it in and it was like Chelsea Wolf, which I've gotten so many times. Just like, it's kind of like Chelsea Wolf. I'm like, it's, it's nothing <laughs> like Chelsea Wolf. I love her, but uh, our names rhyme. That's it. But I was typing in it to Spotify and like C-E-L-S and it came up with Chelsea Wolf. I'm like, hilarious. And then I finished <laughs> typing it. In fact, I don't know, but yeah, I'm the only one, so it's pretty cool. There was only one acid ritual, but that's okay. There, there is still only one, but Zach's busy, and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Wow, I forgot about that bit. But yeah, yeah, I heard that. He said that. I was like, no, like eight people are acid ritual. I guarantee you that there are 10 doom bands named acid ritual. No, that's it. It is strange, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know a band named Dark Ritual, but like the acid ritual seems right up my alley. I'm gonna check that out. And I know exactly what I'll find when I search it. Yeah. You can't really check it out, but maybe one day. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't even get into the same place, but we have that band name. (laughs) (laughs) That is Zax. And uh, (laughs) yeah, we never even wound up in the same basement to make music like that. Yeah. yeah, you get you. You but were telling me ours. before this, but you, you, you guys basically came up this, with this idea, and then he joined Lich King. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and that I was like, oh shit. Well, he was gonna be the bassist, but wow, I am so not disappointed. I am so happy for you. But then now it just like <laughs> sits, and it's just like the Facebook page is like, yeah, um, fans of Acid Ritual haven't heard you in a while. <laughs> And I'm like, you should listen to Lich King, though. <laughs> it's awesome. One day. <laughs> never let the side projects die. No, never. Mick has a pretty cool um, side project, too. Good, se- good segue. Yeah. I-, I like it because you do video game music. Yeah, that's kind of how it started out. It was uh, sort of like an excuse to give myself production and mixing work. Mm. Um, 
So I started it with a Mega Man cover, which was actually a song that Vindicator used to do when I was in them. That's why I did that soon. The uh, Dr. Wily theme. So you knew it, needing an outlet for it, right? And now it's just kind of like any uh, odds and end idea that I have, like whether it be eight-string prog stuff or like Sonic Pulse ideas where I wanted to just do, you know, more guitar playing and less like riffing you would put a vocal line to. Um, or mm. collaborations. I uh, did a cover with Joseph Spiller from Caricature and Bionotops, uh, the Pantera cover, Domination. Nice. Which we were working on before the whole, you know, losing Vinnie Paul thing. And that kind of made things weird. And it just but became tragically appropriate. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure every band or musician has joked at some point in time being like, oh, it wouldn't have been convenient if we had, like, did that cover we had talked about before they died. Yeah. Now it would be, you know. Um, so that was a bittersweet sort of convenience with that. Obviously, more people care about Pantera because of that issue and are searching for it. So it was easier to get people to check it out. But at the same time, it's like, that's not really why you want people. (laughs) Yeah. But life is what life is. And yes, indeed. Less morbid. I like it because of the tones dope. Like it sounds like dime found is mid range. Everything's really chunky on your domination cover. Yeah. I tried to really kind of get close to like the original Pantera sound as much as I could anyways. But Um, and it was kind of funny because I think when I first dialed in that guitar tone, I thought it sounded very, very similar to Pantera, but ultimately I just play differently than Dimebag would. And it was one of those things where, you know, everybody, a lot of guitar players like to insist that the the tone is really in their hands, you know, and it didn't matter how wiry or thin of a guitar tone I tried to get that sounded as solid state and not too bampy or whatever, you know, target words you want to attribute to Dimebag's tone. Um, ultimately, as soon as I got in my groove and started really playing rather than dialing in tone, you know, you kind of just, you have your own sound, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I have a very like Megadeth-esque mid-rangey kind of thing that I go for automatically. So to me, that's almost like what it sounded like. I listened to that guitar tone and it kind of sounds like Dave Mustaine played a cover of (laughs) Pantera. (laughs) Where can you check that out, by the way? Uh, that's also on Bandcamp, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, whole nine yards. Anywhere you look for it, um, unless like underneath your shoe, in which case chewed gum is probably all you're getting. Um, you should be able to find it. For better or worse, every band can and should be like everywhere. Even if you have a solo album or whatever, like pay the money for CD Baby to throw it up on Spotify. Like if you don't, it's an injustice to yourself. What if people are really digging that and you won't know? And there's an easy access to, like, put it out there. Yeah. It's a good point. I used a distro kid. Same. Oh. Yeah. Put it on. Yeah. Not that I know anything about this background bullshit. <laughs> I let the rest of the band members <laughs> deal with it. Great but for yeah. That. yeah you get, like, kid. everywhere. And yeah. the reports are, are very clear and quick, easy to understand. Yeah. It just makes everything very straightforward for a musician. It's really, Yeah. I like it a lot. They explained everything really quickly. They were like easy to use. Whereas CD Baby, I feel like what I get out of them is like promotional emails. Yes. And mm-hmm. that's it. And DistroKid is just kind of like, here's what we're, it feels like a personalized email. Just right. Like, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're adding. I feel here's like CD Baby's maybe a little better if you were like, you know, if you're a local artist and you're just getting your music out and mm-hmm. you just want it out on platforms, DistroKid's excellent. Yeah. CD Baby's like, 
you want to book a world tour and you need to make sure your album is also out in Europe already. And mm. you've got some sort of promotional ring and you're also a featured artist on iTunes and yeah. this, that, and the other thing. They've got all that stuff, but like... CD Baby will fill in every yeah, single so one of the nooks Sometimes and crannies. Sometimes you can spend an afternoon just looking into that being like, okay, there's marketing I didn't even know about now. I got to redo my plan. <laughs> I got to like get more images and more of this, that, and the other thing, et cetera. If my EP is out anywhere, which I guess it's on Bandcamp, so it would be out anywhere. Like it's out in Southern Ireland <laughs> oh, and shit. that's it. Yep. As far as like Europe goes or whatever, because my cousin worked at a radio station. And he was like, I'm going to play it here. And then he's like, uh, he moved to Toronto and he's like, I'm going to email the DJ. I'm going to tell him your EP is out. And the DJ will be like, we play it around here. They like it. I'm <laughs> like, cool. And it's like just Southern Ireland. That's sick, though. But it's Shit. cool. <laughs> yeah. Breaking into the European uh, airwaves. Yep. I, That's great. I thought it was That's super cool. cool when I found out um, <laughs> like people in Europe at least had a vague idea what I was doing. Like... Mm -hmm. um, Somebody covered a Lucoria song from Russia, and I was like, Whoa. holy shit, how did you even what? figure out about my band? I have no idea. That's awesome. But yeah, he sent us like a YouTube video of him playing one of our tunes, Necronymphomaniac. <laughs> <laughs> it's as adorable as it sounds, but like this, this dude slayed it, and we all made jokes at the band practices at the rhythm guitar player, like, yo, he's going to take your job if you don't tighten up. Watch out. <laughs> we'll import him. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, we had one day where uh, I don't know what had gotten us over there, but Sonic Pulse wound up with this like ridiculous following from some country in South Africa. Yo, I like get I'm, ads from South Africa through Sonic yeah, Pulse. And, often, and at first, we actually. all like, were like, oh, what's this? You know, like taking screenshots thinking this was like a joke or it was, you know, like somebody trying to funnel money out of us. But no, it was like legitimately someone had a little music school down there and got into us. And everybody through the music school got into us. So there was That's this one random amazing. small country where we had like 20 something plays a day, all and, and a bunch of likes on pictures from all these guys. And we were getting, you know, friend requests from all these dudes who, like, at first you were like, is that even a name? Is this a real person? Is this, yeah. like, what is even going on here? And then you look into it. It was one like, mutual oh. friend, totally a spam account. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. But that was a, a really cool thing. Or even uh, it, to talk about CD Baby again, too. That's nice because they do, uh, worldwide distribution so every now and then we get like an email or whatever that's like you know such and such from sweden or whatever people in japan like your shit mm. yeah so that's kind of neat i really like looking at the insight the demographics that like the facebook page gives me because i just wind up looking at it being like who the hell is there who the hell are the two people in belgium <laughs> yeah <laughs> like yeah. I, who are you i don't know and then there's like one person in australia and then it's like like it, it, they're numbers that make sense, like United States, and they're all in New England, and they're all, or it's like I can look at it and be like, okay, I have family there, I have family there, and then it's just like Ireland, like 20 people like you there. I'm like, cool, stuff like that gets cool. me so hyped up because they're totally yes. unbiased. Like, it's yeah. one thing when your mom says, like, great set, sweetie, that Yay, was honey. awesome, yeah. <laughs> That's adorable and whatnot, but when some dude you've never met like hits you up and is like, "Yo, I was just listening to Spotify in South Africa and I heard your solo is fucking cool." Like, yeah. what? It's pretty fucking sick. Yeah. First email I got from that somebody had bought my EP and I didn't know them. I was so excited, and then I found out that like, like they were someone in Ireland, and I was like, "Cool, I don't know you." <laughs> like it was neat instead of people being like, "Yeah, you're a friend and we like you." And we. We support this, but like we would anyway. 
Not that they would anyway, but you know, it's just like, wow, you have no debt to me whatsoever. I've never met you. I probably never will meet you. And you like it. And, and that's you cool. like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's honest when they say they like it. You yeah. really feel it. Right. You know, uh, kind of linking back to something we were talking about a little earlier during uh, the resonator intermission there. Um, for me, this is actually kind of a thing that happens regularly for me because I don't really come from a network of family and friends. I'm not playing or basing my band out of where I grew up. So no one around here knows me outside of, oh, I saw you play with Sonic Pulse. Mm. Every single person I've met has been through, you know, like some kind of music connection or whatnot. So it's kind of an interesting thing for me because even if I go down the road, it's not a homecoming show for me. You know, it's just like there's still a possibility for me to meet people. I've, I have no idea lived in my neighborhood kind of a thing. Right. Which is, uh, you know, obviously there's, you know, you'd want to see your family and whatnot support you and everything. But it's kind of nice in the same sense, too, because where I'm at right now and the, the people I get to see at shows are all, you know, people I accumulated out of nowhere, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, so the fact that they're there at all to me is like this big miracle because it wasn't like I told some people I was, you know, close knit with and they told a few people and they came to support me at my first show. I just kind of stepped out of the blue into a situation where I was a total newbie mm. and was able to kind of get some new people to actually stick around. And then, you know, out of that community, I actually wound up getting a lot of really tight friends that became like family. Yeah. Yeah. I love meeting people. I feel like, I don't know. Not quite as extreme. I was a middle child and hard where like when I needed it, my little sister was six and just starting school. My older sister is going off to college and I just kind of dicked off and did whatever and was just like, I'm going to play guitar. Yeah, murder. I'm gonna murder. <laughs> <laughs> also, just like where I'm from is just like there's a whole myth about like the um, Wampanoag tribe just uh, cursing that corner of Massachusetts. It's called the Bridgewater Triangle and... Uh, Everything is just really spooky. One fifth of your friends live in haunted houses. Uh, yes. Everybody it swears they've seen something. And then you grow up and you move somewhere else and you're like, yeah, ghost. And everyone's like, not really. And I'm like, okay. Okay, so now we need background. This is why all the murder songs. <laughs> but like, yeah, it was just kind of like, attention? Attention? I tried theater and it wasn't, I was still like, no, you guys are so, I don't know, it was wrong. And then it was like metal. And I was like, oh, oh, my people. Like, I found you. Okay. Yeah. I get it. You're all like creepy and nerdy and really sweet and like really just intensely dedicated to everything. So you it's know, cool. Oh, man. Well, two parts. All right. The really sweet and intensely dedicated is uh, two things that people on the outside of the metal scene don't see. Um, they, yeah, they think we're just being like weird and loud and angry, but it's the intensely dedicated where the music we make and the artists we appreciate matter so much more to us than like Rihanna matters to you. You can't even fucking understand. (laughs) Right. And people like us have, we typically have to fight so hard to be ourselves because everybody's telling us to change. Everybody's telling us to take what they think is the easy route to success and happiness. And because of that, you know, the the gimmick or the look, et cetera, the attitude, everything from how you're probably knitting your brow when you walk into a room full of new people 
is all part of the like I'm ready to do battle to fight for what mean what means a lot to me. Right. It's not all a, the shit that you hate about me is the shit that I glorify and enjoy. Right. So and it's not like you. the '80s kind of way of like you know we're just troublemakers and we're here to make trouble and and right. start something with you. It's like we're here prepared for you to start it with us. Yeah. That's what it is. It's not it's not an we're being an aggressor. It's we're so used to getting stomped on, tripped on our way to the bathroom, you know, made fun of, what have you. That's and a big one is finding the other people where I'm just like, I feel like I don't, like I go in and I don't really have to explain myself in a lot of ways that I've had to. And it's like I leave and like, I'm not quite a metal, mu- like I'm not metal music. I kind of oh, like, like the lyrics are metal, but I go, but I play a lot of places where they're just like, oh, metal. And I'm just like, all right, here we go. And I just <laughs> run down this spiel of I'm just like, and so whatever is out next, there's the FAQs. Like, what? What is it? Is it too negative? Is it too angry? Tell me something about myself, Willow Moonbeam. And it's like, it's like immediate. I'm just sort of like, oh boy, someone's talking to me. All right. Time to defend words. Just like I play this and like I've had friends being like, damn, I needed that. I needed just like, I needed a pissed off woman with a guitar. <laughs> and everyone's just like, hell yeah, I get it. Like, you, I don't know. You like both Jessica rally against it. The more that people that stay tell negative. You- Love that tattoo. <laughs> like I don't have to explain that to her. Where I'm just like, no, it's not happy. I'm not happy. Here's a bunch of songs, and then like everybody likes it. Now I'm like, now I am happy. It's like finding your people that are just like, yeah, we're like. It's not that everybody is pissed off all the time. Probably not to the degree I am, but people are really friendly out here. Or talkative. Yeah. It's like they're not. It's because they only meet like six new people every <laughs> month. So, oh my God, someone new came out to Western Mass? What's going on? <laughs> this is fucking cool. It's like really cool out here. It's, I don't know. Even the dogs are excited when new people come out. Right. Like, we yeah. couldn't drive down the street without some dogs harassing us to come say yeah, hi. The dogs out here, dogs are awesome. But, fuck yes. They are. Could deal like, with more dogs, very, less people. Or right? maybe 100%. like the owners, like, people are just chill maybe not in general but it's just a very it's way laid it's definitely compared to like eastern massachusetts absolutely even like sort of central where i'm at you don't get anything yeah. like this out here or out where i'm at people are still just like yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fucking bang on the Duncan's window. Like, hey, why don't you have my fucking coffee ready? I actually, I witnessed that happen. Once I needed I extra like, cream. Calm the fuck down. He's like, why don't you fucking mind your own fucking business? Like, dude, these people are just, they're working dunks. They'll get your coffee in a fucking yeah. second. Yeah. yeah. Such an asshole. It's- I hope you're listening out there, Red Jeep Man in town. <laughs> fucking prick. I still think about you. Two, three months later. Oh, a lot of people out there really just go about their lives with the belief, but I have money. Why are things not working out my way? Yeah. But dude, not not even in my neck, because people are fucking dirt poor and all addicted to heroin. <laughs> so they're just fucking assholes. And they want their heroin now. Oh yeah, God I get damn some it. of that too. I, Why I've is my people, dealer making me wait? They're perfect. <laughs> to segue back to music. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yo, so people- Try to say dogs aren't important. I, yes. All right. You know what? Because music is the only thing that matters, and everything else is secondary. So dogs are adorable. (laughs) But we're moving on. Um, How do you make your music really fun and still like a training exercise? Because coming in from the outside of Sonic Pulse, every Sonic Pulse song pushes me. But at the same time, people still want to like sing along to it and dance and shit. So that's actually yeah, kind of questions. a consequence of the writing process. So a lot of the riffs I write at home, right? So I'm not jamming them with a the band. 
So when I write in that perspective, it's, and I'm very inspired by periphery in this aspect. The song comes first. I'm going to write music that sounds damn well cool. If I know that if I can practice enough or long enough and I can play it and it's just a matter of practice, I don't care what I write at that given moment, you know? So, and I know like that's a big difference between like probably if this probably started dying off in the eighties, cause even in the eighties and seventies, we had digital recording. A lot of people don't realize that like the early Scorpions albums that they think are all on tape. Nah, that was all digital. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> well, the first thing was digital. <laughs> don't know what to tell you. It was like hair metal scrape, but yeah. it was the beginning yeah. of the downfall. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so now we have this perspective where, you know, and a lot of bands I think are doing this to an extent where you can't, Nobody can really dedicate to being in a band full time. And a lot of people are in a couple bands. And a lot of times, usually when a band would write an album, they'd get together for months, weeks. You know, if not, they'd dedicate a few months where they were getting together very frequently. They'd write all the songs together, they'd record them together. They'd demo them out many, 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 many times before actually paying to go into a studio and bring a producer in. Mm. Nowadays, that, that doesn't happen. And Sonic no, Pulse writing was anything but that after. Uh, like well, the original you had a lineup. lineup change every couple of months, effectively. Right. Originally, it was very much that. It was like Dan would, or Dan or Dave would have like the meat and potatoes of an idea, and they'd show it to me, and then we would jam the riffs out a bunch of times, and we'd come up with variations. So, like Jergophagus, for instance, that was a very, I know, the eight-minute-long prog song. Laugh at it; it well, feels good. I bring that <laughs> up on, because out loud. I bring that up because I feel like a lot of people think that when they get in a room and they jam with a band, it takes away from the ability to be extremely progressive because you can't. It's harder to spontaneously change tempos and write with people like that. You know, you you kind of yeah, get but forced that's into where, sticking. Like, the good fills come out when you're all just kind of like feeling out together. That's where the really organic vibe to a, a certain song person get too, that. to to get yeah. bored of certain and things you, too. Just like you know, let's spice up this part. And let's fucking do something crazy here. Yeah. You know? Right. But that's a lot of time investment. You know, you exactly, might spend yeah. hours for weeks pulling over one song and like, you know, Sonic Pulse has spent a sum total of zero hours combing over songs together. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's all just been me and a guitar pro session pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of it was like, you know, it, because I knew a lot of times too, like I wouldn't be jamming it with anybody. I wouldn't have to go show this riff to anybody at practice. It was just... I would get a yes or a no answer from someone and then I'd go record it or start recording it anyways. So all the the riffs pretty much, almost none of them did I actually play first. Most of them I just had you an idea wrote, and I just and wrote And then a song. you learned how to play right. them. Yeah. I, I do a lot of my writing like that too because I'm very like, I don't know, I'm very composer-based. As a bass player, I, I can see how all the different parts of a song fit together being the bridge between the drummer and the guitar player like when i start to write a song i can kind of see the drum parts that i'm writing over and the guitar parts that i'm connecting to and without those two things in the middle there's no fucking bass line to write anyway for almost every track see that's how see, the more i've gotten into the producing aspect and intensity rising i've had to write and think of other parts so now i've kind of developed this thing where i'll write all three parts at once yeah. or maybe even four parts at once. So I'll write a riff and a drum beat and I'll have a bass idea and I'll know what vocal melody is supposed to go over that. And I'll just work that at a time essentially. But I'm really excited for the next coming Sonic Pulse album, not versus the internet, which we're going to release soon, but the one after that, um, because hopefully we'll be writing that one more as like a community. 
all of us will be pitching in ideas. Like now that we have a solid lineup and a practice schedule and shit, like you have a, a new idea for a song tentatively titled just the banger. And we'll come up with some <laughs> fucking ideas about that in the future. But right now it's a banger. And we're like, I'm hoping just to trade off on that a lot. And I want to play it at practice before we try to record it so that we can flesh it out and like vibe right. on it. That was a big thing for me, beforehand. at least like, uh, vocally for versus the internet was the songs that the band did end up knowing before we got to sign off on recording i got to redo vocals for those tunes i'm i'm significantly more proud of than some of the older ones because basically what you ended up with on the final product is my demo takes Mm. you know maybe there was one or two takes of it but i don't feel like i flesh out as a vocalist till i'm on a stage with a guitar in hand the whole nine yards you know and i've now even like um, to reference James Hetfield, like now if bass. I sing and I do a vocal take, I now get a guitar in my hands and like I prep like I'm on stage, and that helps a ton. Mm. But like nothing really quite does it like being with the band and like feeling like screaming higher on this note because it just felt right when I was playing it with you guys or something, you know? Like right. Well, that'll be some shit where we're all recording at the same time in a studio, and I'm just like, yeah. Cause I love a riff and you'll be like, Oh, this one needs a bitch and intro. (laughs) Yeah. Like I really like the con like, and I feel like that's kind of an aspect that got lost a lot with modern bands. Um, cause like, well, I I mean, I just watched this, uh, kind of podcast thing where bold from periphery was getting interviewed on how they do things and they have, they're not all in the same room when they jam it, but they do this very interesting circle method where one person writes most of the song and then it gets sent off to someone else who kind of gives their two cents. And then it goes to the vocalist. And then he starts arranging and chopping things up and deciding this riff should be four times instead of three. This one should be six because I came up with extra words for it. And then it comes back to the instrumentalists. And they'll go, all right, well, now it sounds too boring six times instead of four. So let's add an extra octave melody those last two times. Yeah, time to throw the harmonies on this bitch. Right. So they'll, they do this process where like two or three times it makes it through the full circle of the band and they wind up with like a pro a product that probably sounds very similar to how it might've in a room, but it kind of is neat too, because it allows them to take a moment to fine tune something, maybe a little weirder or more progressive than you might've been able to do improvising in a room in a, right. together at once, which yeah. like is totally possible for sure. But it's less likely that you're going to be able to sit there with three other guys and all of them wait for you to come up with like a weirder noodle, you know, <laughs> yeah. for a fill, yeah. especially if it's Practice like this is for rehearsing. God right. damn it. Not for like figuring out that noodle. Right. I mean, it is to an extent, but, you know, if you want to fine tooth comb every little section, it's harder to do that with a full lineup. If you're trying to do prog, if you're yeah. going to go do the next, you know, enter Sandman or something like that. You only got to have a couple catchy riffs, a few different fills, you know, variations on the same thing. But like Sonic Pulse, a lot of our stuff, for instance, like First Contact High, so many different riffs, so many different melodies. Yeah, fuck jamming like, on I had, that I, song. Like, yeah, if you like, don't know exactly where you are, you're already too late. Yeah, that would have, you know, that would have never came together in a jam session that way. Yeah. It would have been morphed into something totally different. You know, and a lot of, originally when I wrote that song, it was kind of more straightforward because it was riffs I was jamming with Dan on drums. And then Dave wrote... And then five came in. Uh, Cold Sorceress. 
And at the time, I wasn't the vocalist as well, too. So I thought, like, we can do whatever we want on guitar. It doesn't matter how technical it gets. And the bass player went, fuck you. (laughs) Because, like, I just thought, like, the vocalist can just soar right over the top of this. No problem at all. You know, a year goes by, and now I'm the vocalist and the guitar (laughs) player. And I'm like, fuck me. (laughs) (laughs) Let me insert my pin into my anus. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's one of those things where, like, it's such a shreddy, like, shreddy guitar riff in the verse, at least, that, like, I don't want to listen to what I'm singing. Like, my mind is, like, cool guitar, lick. cool, You know, like, so I have to, when I sing and play guitar, I have to just autopilot the guitar, more or less. You know, like, I just, I move my body to the drums, the guitar riffs start happening, and I focus on doing a good job with vocals. And But you have to have the guitar lick, like, right. butthole tight. Because if you fuck it up, then like, right, and, there's no coming back. But it's Every also it's a very a attractive whip like, to me too. And so the big thing when I wasn't a singer was when I did Wii guitar and even when I was doing riffs, I would always hum and sing everything to myself to memorize it and like keep in time and make sure I was in key, etc. And this was a great way for me to learn improvising weeds early on because it was way harder to play a note out of key if you were like roping yourself in with your vocals and how the room was vibrating, etc. You know? So that was kind of like how I got into that. But I couldn't do that anymore as a vocalist. I had to completely just be like, all right, uh, a straightforward time. Just belt out stuff. And half the time live, like you, you didn't can't. have as much time to process like guitars and vocals together. Right. And usually when I'm you're like, singing, like you have to play riffs kind of thing. Right. It can't just be like make it up as and you usually go I'm along. like doing algebra We're to tell like what time Pink I'm Floyd in and, and all that. Caliber tempos were like David Gilmore from Pink Floyd, he can just like sing and play guitar at the same time, but it's cool because he's at like 120 BPM. If he's not right on it, it's okay because it's going to sort out in the next measure, man. But like if you're a whole measure late on first contact high, then it's like six measures of a Pink Floyd song and you missed a whole riff and we've changed time signatures and like, sorry, dude. (laughs) And it's weird too because I... You know, I've learned through making this album that there are there are some technical things on a guitar that make it still easy to do vocals. And there are some yeah. easy things to do on guitar that will make it hard to do vocals because of where each melody falls, like, in context to one another. There's a lot of times where, like, what I can do on a guitar while I'm not singing is so much more... Complicated, like I can, but then I start singing and then I just fall into like an easier pattern, but it's not as good of a guitar riff because I'm focusing on singing as well and it tends to get a little lost. So sometimes I'm just kind of like, can I just somebody else want to do one of these things? (laughs) Sonic Pulse is the first band where I got to sing and play at the Uh same time, and I feel totally the same way, where it's like, yo, can, like, somebody else hop up here and do gang vocals for a little bit? Because I, like, (laughs) just want to hit this one fill. Like, come on, I can't, like, fill and yell about tits in the same See, for me, I wanted to get up to that vocal mic for so long, and now I'm just like, (laughs) give me a fucking break. (laughs) It's a lot of, like, timing it. Like, I don't know if there's something I'll... I get to learn, like... I listen to drums way more since becoming a vocalist. And so I'd just be like, okay, we're going to do the guitar parts and you're going to practice those for like two hours. Then you're going to practice the vocals for two hours. Then you're going to practice the guitar and then you're going to try to do it together for a while. And that like worked. Oh yeah, God, I've never 
worked hard for anything other than that one show where everyone was tanked and already knew all the words anyway. (laughs) I threw my heart and soul into that, just playing just Irish rebel songs. And I'm learning new ones, and I'm just like, there's only 200 days until St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) But yeah, no, it was just like, okay, well, let's work this out. Let's learn the guitar, then learn the vocals, then learn the violin, then learn the vocals, then learn and just... And it worked out so well. And that's not because everyone was drunk and already knew the words. Like, it <laughs> yeah, was really, it, it, was, it was, it was, it was good. It was good. It's were, it was fine. It was good. <laughs> it was good. But yeah, it is kind of just like, okay, well, I guess I just, you just practice forever. That's how you make things work is yeah. you just mm-hmm. practice forever. Yeah. People yeah. underestimate that, you know, like, yep. yeah. Dudes come up to me and it's like, dude, you're so talented. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, I just sit in my room alone way more than you guys yeah. do. Like, yeah. You don't it's even like, understand. Well, like, I have my forgotten a social life. If you, you were to be this way, easy. yeah, because like, I practiced it that way. Yeah, if yeah. you if you do something enough, eventually you'll just get good at it. Yeah, you yeah. stop. You have yeah, or to. No, I wouldn't even go that far. You stop sucking so much at it, and all of a yeah. sudden, <laughs> like you can well, almost well, kind of sort of keep up with McMahon on guitar. It's, it's really that. yeah, but no one wants to like do anything that often. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, the big thing too really is they is don't this, see we have an ability to run head first into hours. failure and keep going. Mm-hmm. We can oh, butt yeah. our heads Forever. into a brick wall and like even if not even a speck of dust comes off, we'll try it 30, 40 more times than the average guy before getting any sort of result and feeling like we might actually get through the wall. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And that's a big part of it too. Like, you know, as a guitar teacher, anyways, I meet a lot of people, they're like, Oh, how do I get good? And I'm like, don't give up. Suck. Yeah. Put yeah. the fucking time. Yeah. It's the only Suck thing. More. Yeah. Keep playing. You know, like, well, <laughs> I got out of it for a little while. How do I get back in? You <laughs> well. just get back in. Just start doing it every day Fix as much as you can. Fix one aspect you suck at for like just just for however long it takes for you to fix it. Find one aspect you suck at it and then just fix it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, you just yeah. fix it until it's done and then you move on to the next thing that you suck at. I feel like that's a big thing with speed because they're, they're, I, I get a, a decent amount of people ask me like, you're so fucking fast. How did you get so fast? It's like, I did it until it hurt and then I kept yeah. going. Yeah. And then you just keep moving that up because like your muscles sort of start to, to figure it out. Yeah. And it's like, it's sort of like working out to a certain degree, which like you need to oh, yeah. sort of like a break those muscles. Really, when it comes to the speed sucked. thing, yeah. a lot of folks really just don't get the whole like how to play it slow. And I feel like I, yeah. I'm repeating myself all the time when I say this to like every single new student or, you know, every guitar lesson out there. Oh, you you want to learn how to sweep, slow, man. Do it one note at a time. Right. So. But it's like, you know, really what it is, is when you start playing so fast that even the listener can, uh, can barely tell what the hell you're playing anymore. Mm. Do you really think I'm consciously aware of exactly how my pick is moving in any given moment? That has to be autopilot. I Ex- need to absolutely. program into the back the bowels of my brain needs to be a default perfect technique. Exactly. So it's not yep. about trying to wing it quick. It's yeah, about taking time in between when you're trying to get as quick as you can to, to say like, okay, I know I'm getting a little faster. Maybe I'm a little slower today, whatever. What, how, what is this supposed to look like exactly when it's full speed? Yep. I have to move my pick exactly like that. Even if I'm going 10% of the speed. Yeah. And Beyond that's that hard to do. The, like personally for me, I get an overwhelming sense of anxiety that makes me want to literally put my fist through the nearest fucking thing and smash my guitar. Even if I'm playing it correctly at 40 BPM, mm. the, the amount of attention it takes to move your pick 
perfectly efficient in the way that it would move at 280 BPM as it will at 240 BPM is incredibly difficult. And that amount of attention to detail is what it takes to be really quick. And nobody wants to do that when you're playing slow. They want to bump that metronome right up to 120 or 150 where they're casually playing quick. And it still sounds kind of good. And that's fine. But how you're playing it at that speed. Right. But that's not light speed. That is not efficient. That is okay for that speed. But that doesn't get you into outer space. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, um, yeah. It was, I like, violin was my first instrument. And uh, everybody would be like, oh, do you know how to play double duos down to Georgia? And like, that's fine. That's like the only song anyone knows. That's fine. But like, it's like, well, play yeah, I'm learning it. Like, like, it was not like it was just like painful, painfully yeah. slow. And it sounded like shit. And then eventually you can do it really fast. And like, there's a lot. It's kind of why I got better at Irish music on the violin than anything else is because I'm just like, you just play like this, but you have to play really slow and then you were, and then it's just all of a sudden it's just like, oh yeah, swallowtail, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And you just kind of know it forever, sorry. <laughs> and, uh, I'll never yeah. forget yeah. one of my jazz buddies being like, don't play a lick until you can play it right. You gotta play a lick until you can't play it wrong. Yeah. And that like right. super mm. stuck with me. It's not enough to be able to play like that one fill at the end of this riff, right? You have to be able to play this one, that one riff at the end of this fill, right? Every time while you're like screaming at some dude at the yeah. side of the stage, like yeah, at the end well, of the set too. Yeah, at the end of the set because I think that's a. <laughs> I saw that thing. at Sonic Pulse in particular because the Sonic Pulse tunes are like so shreddy. Oh my mm-hmm. god, man! And then I get to the end of the set, and Bong Zombies is always our last song, yeah. and there's one riff at the end of Bong Zombies that is just like a shred fest. Everybody in the band is playing eighth or sixteenth notes like all the time. Pop, 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 be in time. And I just, whew, all, yeah. every other time I just fade out on it. I'm like, this, when you really break it down, this is a C and a G, and everybody else is playing some fluff on top of it. So I'm going to play a C and a G. <laughs> now that's kind of another good point, too. Endurance is a huge part of speed. Because yeah. yeah. that's a big thing that I know. I'll play early first on. contact high first every single night. But if you put it at the, at the end of the set, I'm going to start weeping. So right. please don't. And I'm, I'm sure like, a lot of guitar players resort or would relate speed, to this. But... but with like guitar solos, especially, you can. When you're initially learning that stuff, you find you can go so fast for so long and you get to the end of the lead. Maybe there's one last finale lick and you can't play it. But in your head, or it's the same thing with a whole song. I feel like a lot of musicians will do this. They'll get like 80% of the way there because they can flub it through 20%. They're like, I got it. Yeah. I got this. Like, no. You, you have to take well, the thanks. hardest part in that song. And, and you have to if play, you can play that at perfect, the hardest part of your night. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you can't play that, then you have to slow that entire piece of music down. Yep. There was a professor at the at Westfield State when I went there, and I didn't take this class, but he taught um he taught like philosophy and debate. And for the um senior debate thing uh class final that in other classes would be like a paper or just like a formalized one with a panel. He would get two 30 racks of um, Bud Light and he would say, all right, we're all drinking this. You're going to keep going. We're going to, you are going to argue and debate. And if you win, when you are shithoused, if you can still argue, you get an A. (laughs) Holy shit. And my friend won it. 
she won it. She and the other person got like a B. Like it wasn't that bad, but yeah, it was just like wow. you were gonna be good at this. So that when you were yeah, shit house, you, you can still do it. You gotta be good at your worst conditions. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And th- this is a, a thing that I feel that uh, a lot of musicians musicians could take from athletes. Because it seems to be... Oh, yeah, fourth quarter. Oh, yeah. That's, one yeah. that's a great point because a lot of people like to go, music isn't a sport. Yeah. Fuck you. No. Yeah, you fuck get injured, you're going yeah. to a sports therapist. Yeah, seriously. Sports like, injury specialist. That's yeah. what happens. Dude, yeah, I got... Like, I can't fuck up any part of me. No. Because if I do, the set's over. I can't I can't do it. Like, I, the little fucking tip of my pinky, if that's fucked up, then the set's going to suffer. Yeah. That's like, that's the level of... Like, I won't go see Graviton get, with no blast beats. That pinky better stay in shape, right. motherfucker. That's the thing. It's like, it's not going to be the same if I'm not playing the way I need to play. And, and that, that, for instance, that really used to drive me nuts when people would do the whole, like, it's not a sport thing. It damn well is. Yeah. Like, you've oh, got to maintain yourself. Fuck you. You've got to stretch. You've got to warm up. You've got to cool down. There's, I have a little no stress difference. ball at my desk <laughs> that I'm just like, absolutely not. Neither hand. Neither hand. Because, like... Yeah, I don't know. If you I watch guess me I vocals, in my day jobs, I'm walking to. around stretching yeah. my hand yeah. all day. Yeah. For also, me, I'm when I went down out. for li- <laughs> when I went down for Lyme disease, I went to a sports therapist for that too. My shoulders yep. suffered terribly, and like I couldn't re- even reach out to the first fret of my fretboard. It was yeah. so fucking far away. Like, why do I have to play extended range? Shit. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. But but yeah, that that was important and it didn't like it didn't just require me being okay. It required me being like fit to get back into yeah. it. Absolutely. Yeah, cuz like if you're if you can't make it to the end of the fucking set, then you're useless. Yeah. Then Sorry. the end of the then the end of the set is rubbish and you ruin the last 30 minutes of your band. Yeah. You, yeah. you have to be 100% the whole fucking way through. Or or in my case, my first setback was a double. I did Chronovore and then I played Sonic Pulse immediately afterwards. So it's like, yep. yo, you better be, you can barely reach fret one, but you better be ready to hold your hand there for like the next 40 minutes and then take a brief break and do it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you need to be able to train and then take care of yourself, too. Because thinking back to, I think, the it was like the second Thunderforge gig ever, and our drummer at the time, like, like stopped playing in the middle of the last song because he couldn't, like, make it the whole way through. That's that's fucking unacceptable. Yeah. You know? He didn't last very long. (laughs) There you go. You know? It's like, you you have to be of a certain caliber to play this music, especially certain types of it, because, like... There are levels of it too, and it depends on what you're what you're wanting to do. Because like you know, if you're if you're just wanting to play single note doom songs and shit, and it's like okay, right? Maybe, but maybe even not. then, yeah. if your timing isn't fucking perfect, yeah. that too, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. one that's guy a whole in your band thing. hitting yeah. that one chord you're gonna play for the next forty five seconds <laughs> yeah. wrong is gonna be right. awful. Yeah, yeah not only does your timing have to for be perfect, but to be able to get the sound out of the drums, you got to hit those things like. Not just hard, very, but hit them the very, right very way, Very, very intentional mm-hmm. technique. Yep. There's yeah. no room for being lazy about it, Absolutely. no matter yeah. how slow it is. <laughs> yeah, so even with Doom, it's like you need to be of a certain caliber in a different direction in order to do it yeah. the best that it possibly can be. Because I, I hear tons of drummers that, especially in the Doom world, that like 
they come from a rock background, so it's like everything sounds way too rigid, and they're not in time with it anyway, so then it's just fucked up. Yep. But the people that have some blues and some swing in them, or some jazz really, background, exactly. Yeah, some jazz. Can that I can, shout can out a local um, doom jazz band? Super quick. What? Yes. I love a band from Newport called Balaam. Um, Balaam. They're playing. August 17th at my hometown club, Jimmy's Saloon, and they're super sick because it's a a teenage band that spawned out of passion for doom metal, and then each member of the band went in their own different direction. Their drummer in particular, it now plays in a surf rock meets bossa nova jazz band, and it's super classy but super fun at the same time, and then he brought all that he learned from the jazz surf rock background to his doom band and it's it's just fucking incredible so balaam they're playing in newport at jimmy's saloon august 17th and like everybody should come out because it's going to be epic that's b-a-l-a-m they spell it that's right i've heard of them i haven't listened to them in forever but oh my god but get back on that shit yeah, it's gonna like, be great. This whatever you just described is way different from what I remember hearing. But they've so, evolved. Um, yeah, they give I me bet. almost like a Mastodon vibe, where every album is like, "Whoa, this is so different than the last album." Are you sure you guys don't want to rebrand yourself or something? Like, interesting. They opened with Soul Scour, which was your classic Doom with the occasional odd time signature, and then it evolved into like just this weird surfy dance jam doom band and like i don't know none of those words make sense together and that's part of what makes the band so much fucking fun so you should come out and see it fuck yeah all right and i also want to take a shout out to uh for for drummers who just have like the the sweetest pocket fucking cliff from casador dude the fucking like he has the best feel (laughs) in all of new england it's fucking amazing I well, love can Cliff we get Casador so and Balaam together and dual pocket for pocket? <laughs> Dude, yeah. That'd probably be fucking insane. But yeah, Cliff's just, he's got that feel, the way he plays, because he's got that super hard-hitting feel, but it's all, it's just so perfectly in time with, with the Doom thing. And it doesn't feel mm-hmm. like anything's stretched too much, Everything, nothing feels too tight, like it's too head of the beat. It's just fucking perfect. I love Cliff, Cliff's playing so much. <laughs> he's amazing. Cliff, you're a beast. Yeah, I'll shout out Joe because he can lock in perfectly with that too. Like, the two of them make a very, very tight rhythm section. And then uh, I'm blanking on the guitar player's name, but like everything he does over that as well. It's all great. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they're they're very tight. They're they're still a trio, right? Yes. Yeah. Like the best power trio in fucking mass. And them in Oxen too. Because <laughs> Hans, yeah, Hans has that other, another type of feel that is just fucking perfect, and like all of his little fill licks are absolutely perfect for the yeah. songs. Love listening to that band, and he fucking sings too. Son yep. of a bitch, so good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know Zach isn't the only one in New England, right? There's some right. other drummers that sing too. God damn it, I want yeah. respect. Multi-talented oh, bastards. Not New England. Rochester, New York, but Monica from Maverdoxa. Oh yes, is a fucking beast on the drums, and she makes all these angry faces. Fuck yeah! And she like just hits them so hard, and she also does vocals, clean vocals, and harsh vocals sometimes. Oh shit! And then is ju- and, and my chinchillas and Flora are a big fan of her too because they stayed over <laughs> after their show, and Flora was just so wiggly about her, and 
like Catherine was just like, yeah, she could pet me, which is weird because he's scared rodent. Anyway, Monica from Maverdoxa is so cool. And Wandering Oak. She's also in Wandering Oak. So nice. mm-hmm. Yeah, no, she hits everything so hard and also is just doing and is also just a wonderful person. So oh, sorry, shout out to Maverdoxa. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah, Maverdoxa toured through here not long ago and they were fucking awesome. Ripped. Uh, Bellower played that show. Nice. Upheaval played that show. Yeah. It was a good time. Damn. It was a great yeah, show. A All right, well, should we should we wrap it up? Yeah. We, we I think we can break <laughs> here for another song and then okay. we can go into all the rest of the shit. All right, yeah. All right, so Sonic Pulse, do you have another song to play? And you know this what is would actually a be song cool? by Sonic it, it's, Pulse. Uh, <laughs> the first contact high with Chris on drums would be a cool thing. Because we do oh. have Chris Dovis recorded drums for us for one of those. So we have like a single mix of that. that would be and cool. Chris we'll, Dovis we'll is sick Who's nasty. While we're talking about remains drummers that are yeah. fire, yeah. like that dude is playing with Vital Remains dude, as we speak. What the fuck, and that's man. blown my mind. Um, yeah, how do we his, forget to tap um, that cast Flesh, point? His other band is fucking fantastic, as well as Seven Spires, who are fantastic and adorable. And the one, two is just like too much to handle. So check out their band as well. All right, well, here's Sonic Pulse. Yeah. 
And we're back, everybody. That was Sonic Pulse with First Contact. Hi. Where can we listen to that? That is, uh, I think that one's just on Bandcamp, actually. That was a special single we did with Chris. No, fuck that. It's also on Spotify and associated listening apparatuses because I practice it on Spotify. The one All with right. Chris? Really? Oh, not the one with Chris. Ah. Shit. Okay, so there, yeah, there's a, <laughs> so there, 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 a version of it on Spotify. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> First contact high is all over the place. Oh, and you this know what's one on that Chris too? You know why it's not on the rest of the internet? Because the Andrew WK cover, and I didn't want to fork oh. over the twelve bucks for the licensing. That's why that didn't happen. <laughs> 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 Shit. So there's also an Andrew WK cover there, uh, mm. hidden in the Bandcamp treasures. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's so. totally legal, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's not. Huh. Quick, pay us. <laughs> I still need to play a show with Thunderford. Shit, your singer like fills a fucking room, dude. Yeah, Adam. He, I, I am so lucky that we have him as our front man. I'll never forget seeing you guys at the Palladium upstairs, and like when you guys opened, I was like, "Wow, this is this is cool power metal. I'm really about it." And then this dude spent the whole night running around the venue, like he spent just <laughs> as much time in the merch stand, like hanging off, uh, hanging out, and being a tool with me as he did like on stage. And it was so cool to have him. Like I don't know, he just ran that fucking room. Fuck yeah, I like it. It's the joy of having a wireless setup. You can take <laughs> advantage of it. Kind uh, of. I never feel that free on bass. Like, even with the wireless setup, I'm still like, yeah, but I want kind of want to be here. Like, I practiced my whole life to be yeah. on stage, not to be on the floor. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way with that. Like, I want to be, yeah. like, close to and locked in with the drummer, and you can't really do that if yeah. you wander too the far. Yeah, and the further away you move from the bass drum, the more difficult that becomes. Yeah, yeah. I'm totally different. I'm used to being the flashy lead guitar player that gets to run around doing whatever the hell I want. And now I'm <laughs> stuck with this mic in the center of the stage. Mm, God yeah. damn it! Yeah. I get so nervous <laughs> The Sonic the Pulse drummer. set is like that, too, though, because... I'm just like, no, you I get move- the whole thing. I move all around stage with Crotivore and Lucoria, and then as soon as I play Sonic Pulse, every time it's time to do gang vocals, I'm in the wrong spot. God damn it! Like, I can't be next to Mick, or like, I'm trying to hang out with our new drummer. Why, why do I have to sing about beer? Son of a bitch. Before we call it, I want to do, because um, it's up on the screen, or it was up on the screen, can we do shout out to local bands that we like? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, let's roll around the room. Um, my local band that I love and I'll always shout out is Faith from Fable, and I really like them because their music is super approachable and chill, but at the same time, it's outside of the box harmonically, and you almost wouldn't notice that they're using very, like, Egyptian and Middle Eastern style scales unless you're a nerd about it, um, but it's just, like... Four dudes that sit in a room and make sounds that sound cool, and it ends up sounding both cool and weird, and they have cool bass stuff. So I like it a lot. Very nice. Moving on, let's go around no the one, circle. I don't like anybody. You know, <laughs> bullshit. Um, bullshit. Y'all suck. <laughs> D. Snyder's the only real band. <laughs> Who's also a local band now? Question mark. Does that work? <laughs> Typically, always has been based out of Connecticut. Yeah, kind of, sort of. We're just um, going back deeper than you guys remember. I guess we'll give a long-distance high-five to uh, the Seax boys over uh, in Europe oh, with yes. uh, Ravage and Witch King right now. Um, I don't know how many people know this, but back in the day, 
when Matt Tomaz was the bassist of CX. He also played in Sonic Pulse, and I also played in CX. Jules? Uh, just, um, I mean, Bellower, obviously. Aw. Care yeah. about all you guys. <laughs> Vocalist the most, sorry. <laughs> That's She's understandable. Cute. I like his hair <laughs> and his dog. And uh, also the humanoids are from Boston, and um, they're just, they're man of war. But with all uh, the rapey patriarchal parts taken out, and I would just, those oh, guys that are just, dope. they're wonderful. They're just amazing humans, and they love dogs, and they're great. Nice. And uh, yeah, so the humanoids, they just fucking tear up. And then they just want to talk about beer and dogs, and they're amazing. I love them. Yeah. Humanoids are so, awesome. Humanoids are fucking dope. Hell yeah. And I'll, uh, I'll, I'll actually shout out an RPM Fest band. Drive by Bukaki. They're wicked fun. Dude, they're, like, they don't seem like the kind of band I would be typically into, but they right. just tell jokes in between all their songs, and then you meet them after they're set, and you're like, fuck yeah, let's slam beers together. Like, they're Dude, just party dudes. I feel it. That's the Dude, thing. I feel like s- so many people are turned off by the name, and like, okay, I get it. Oh, it's like rip. fucking crazy, but like, no, but I played for Lucoria. Fucking... I'm ready for that. <laughs> yeah, like, they're, they're fantastic musicians. Fucking Tim Brault. Uh, uh, all their names are escaping me now, of course. Tim Brault's in everything. But yeah, he's in fucking everything. He plays bass in that band. Fucking rules. He's yeah. been on here a couple times. Uh, they're just, they're great. Yeah, like you said, they're great fucking dudes. Really, really enjoyed playing with, with them finally in Lowell. Like, uh, yeah, the I end played of June. shows with them in, in bands that I was in like 10 years ago. Yeah, they, they've been around <laughs> yeah. forever too. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, they, they have a ton of releases. They're just, they're fucking awesome. So, you know, just get past the name and listen to the riffs and go yeah. see him because you will not be disappointed. They're fucking awesome. So yeah, check the shit out. all over your face. Yeah. You can't even believe it. Uh, they're so fun live. They, they, they more play and more riffs right on the eyes. Like it's okay. fast pace. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very fast pace from multiple directions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they, they like control their samples live too. Like the singer has a clicker that he like literally points yeah. at like a DVD player to trigger That's their samples. Super it's fucking great. I hate yeah. the click track shit. Yeah, like, so, like um, all all of my bands are really organic. Like yeah. we, when we play live, it's what we're feeling right then at that moment. And I am super not about the click track, backing track kind of thing. But if you can find a way to make that work with your band at the same time, I'm super about it. Sometimes it's really really cool. Like if you can click in that backing track for just the moment where it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like it'll make the whole set for me next to the impromptu riffs at however fast you can fucking play tonight, right? Totally. Yeah. But yeah, so go check them out. They'll also be at RPM Fest on Friday, I believe. So the first night so come and party. And uh yeah, I think that about does it for this podcast. It's been a fucking long one. So Yeah. We've been here for a while. Yeah. It's been a good time. We still still have I feel like I still Kelsey have more to, to talk play. about, yeah. but like we'll save it for the next time. Yeah, let's, let's We might it. have we'll... to chop up some of the stuff we already had and just turn that into the bonus yeah. content. Yeah, for sure. And we already shaved off all the super offensive shit anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks okay. so okay. anyway, for saving all the good stories uh, for the background. <laughs> yeah, so Cut that out was a lot pr- of ass eating. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> what? Cut out a lot of ass eating. There's fifty percent less right ass that was in this episode than you expected. <laughs> <laughs> we can call. All right. Fresh well, that's uh, 
That's Promoter Head Podcast, number 22, perhaps number 23. Got to figure it out. But yeah, probably 22. The, the number is up for dispute. The official number right now is 22, but we might count it later and realize that we're idiots. The so number is 22 with 50% ass added on. Yep. Double Stay deuce. fast. The double deuce, baby. Stay fast, All eat right. ass. That's right. Stay fast, eat ass. That's the fucking title of the podcast. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. See you at RPM Fest. Later. I'm Kelsey. I'm a Christian folk band. Strum to the tune of an electrical storm He burst in, burned you up, blew away He's a son of a bitch He's your last bitter rich All the bright brass, the whiskey, the charade